Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. I believe that's officially a laugher because Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson are laughing. It was a funny moment, Glenn Mack, now. It was pretty funny. Good morning, Mike Sealski. Yes, he hit, uh, he hit that one up, that 46-mile-an-hour Jordan Luplo fastball. Hey, good morning, everybody. It is a beautiful summer morning in the Delaware Valley. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, Ben Kenny is our producer today, and the resurrection homestand is Tom, Mc, uh, uh, not Tom McPhail, Tom McCarthy, <laughs> called it, excuse me, continued last night. It was alum- It is alumni weekend. Jim Cott throws out the first ball. Great guy. You ever meet him when you were in New York? He was I a did not. Very did nice not. guy. Yeah, very nice ter- guy. and a terrific analyst. Yeah. Terrific analyst. It was cool to have him in the booth with, oh. uh, with, yep. with John Crook and T-Mac. Uh, Christopher Sanchez, tough second inning, allows a couple home runs, settles down, and then we get to the bottom of the second inning, which was just a great inning. Uh, Nick Castellanos got that 12-game hitting streak. He doubles. Bryson Stott. You know Bryson Stott is my guy, right? We've had this conversation. He is... Your leadoff hitter in spirit. He is, yeah, he's my guy. He leads the team in war. Or he leads the team in average. He, he, he. I, I would argue this. I don't know. If we want to get sidetracked, but I would tell you, I think he's the Phillies MVP this season. He's certainly been their most consistent player. I think even more than Castellanos. I mean, Castellanos had that stretch in July where he was just terrible, but Stott has been really, really good all year. And he was locked in last night. The best ball he might have hit might have been that line drive to the gap that was. You know, just a sacrifice fly. Sack fly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who's your MVP as of right now, 100 and whatever, 20 games in? Are we allowed to say Trey Turner after the last week? Uh, okay, <laughs> well, we'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, no, that's a really good question. Um, you can think. You can back to me. We're yeah, here for three I hours. Yeah, I might have to get back to Okay, you. we're here till one, everybody. Uh, then Real Muto singles, goes the other way, which they talked about in the booth. When yep. he starts, I think that was John Crook, when he starts hitting to right field, you know he's on, and, mm-hmm. and he does – Schwarber gets a hit. Bohm gets a sack fly. Ninth batter of the inning. Trey Turner comes up, and here's what he does. Three balls, two strikes. The payoff pitch swung on, line to left. On the run, it won't be caught. Luplo couldn't get it. Schwarber is coming home. Turner's got himself a single, and the Phillies have themselves a 6-2 to two lead here in the bottom of the second inning. They drive out Dallas Keuchel. How is he back in the major leagues, man? He, I want to grab a bat. You know, how about John Tudor? Can we get him back in the majors, throwing <laughs> shutouts for the Cardinals, just like he did in 1985? Yeah. Resurrect Tom Glavin, maybe. I, you know. Poor Dallas, he got nothing left. But it's no. an, it is an eight-game hitting streak for Trey Turner. Um, you know what? Let's get back to him. Put, okay. Put just a little marker there, because I want to just go through a little bit more of the game. Then you have uh, Schwarber hits a foul ball off his foot. Yeah, it didn't look great. Uh, he was really struggling out there for at least – couple of minutes and then as he hobbled back to the dugout you could kind of see that his teammates were ribbing him a little bit kind of laughing about it uh i'm sure we're going to get an update before tonight's game 
about whether he'll be in the lineup, but I would imagine it, just guessing, it doesn't seem that bad. They are so hot right now, I feel the only thing that can stop them is injuries, which, of course, you can't predict. You don't know how that's going to happen, but you've got Marsh out. Uh, you have uh, Harper. Harper is, is out. We don't know, hopefully just a couple days. And that's the only thing that makes me nervous, so we'll see how that that plays out. All right, fourth inning. Turner starts with a number, another RBI double to make it 7-2. to Four straight hitters reach. Ooh, what did Bryson Stock do in that inning? Let's find out. Nothing in one the count. Mike Tuberosa, our engineer in the booth. Tucker Bagley engineering for us in our studios. Stott hits one high and deep to right. That one's going to go. Bryson Stott over the out-of-town scoreboard. Straightaway right field. It's his 11th home run of the season. And the Phillies now lead this one 10-2. to that was actually the sixth inning that your sack fly was in the fourth. Real Muto homers to right center, second night in a row. He is homered. Um, and then we saw Jordan Luplo comes in, slops it up, and Johan Rojas hits his first home run. What a great game. What a great night. It's the perfect capper to what has been a pretty remarkable week at Citizens Bank Park from beginning to end, Glenn. I mean, especially after you give up the two home runs back-to-back there in the second inning uh, that Sanchez did. And you think, okay, maybe they were due for a bad night. And then they just come back and they roll over a team. They should roll over. And somebody made this point on social media, and I think it's a good one. It's nice if you're a Phillies fan to see a team finally just kind of take care of lesser teams. You know, don't don't no muss, no fuss. You come out here and take three or four from, three or four from the Nationals. You, you take two or three from the Royals and you beat up on the Twins the first game of a weekend series. That's what a good team is supposed to do, and that's why everybody's gotten juiced about what's happened over the last week. Yeah, you and I talked about this, or maybe Jody and I did, maybe all of us did over the last couple weeks, which was the schedule just started to get really favorable. You have all these home games in August. I know they're going to go on the road soon, but you have a, a whole bunch of home games. And you do have those lesser teams, so this is when you can get fat. They are 13-6 and six in their last 19 games and looking great. All right. Oh, what a week it was. Let me give people the numbers, by the way. 215-592-9494 uh, at the ball yard. Let us go back to Wednesday night, which mm-hmm. was, I guess, even a better game than last night. And let's, let's revisit kind of some things that happened in that game in his first Major League bat of his life, a 28-year-old guy who had 2,836 trips to the plate in the minor leagues. He he was one date with Susan Sarandon away from being <laughs> Crash Davis. <laughs> yeah, right? Seven different minor league uh, cities yep. he has played at. Finally gets his chance. Weston Wilson. Weston, don't call me Wes Wilson. And his whole family is there, right? The mm-hmm. mom, the dad, the wife, the brothers, all of those people. And I believe it was the third pitch of his? I think, yeah. I think okay. it was a 1-1 one, one pitch, maybe a 1-0 pitch. Okay. Second or third no, pitch. No, no, he swung and missed at one. Okay, but here you go. In his first at bat, here's what he gave everybody. He's got family here. He's originally from North Carolina, the 1-1. Swung on, hit deep, and I think he did it. He did it. Yes. Weston Wilson has homered in his first major league at bat. How about that? And enjoy that trip around the bases. Wes Wilson 
He looks skyward as he steps on home plate. Home run number one for Wilson. Gets a big hug from Harper at the top step. It was just such a it's such a great thing. It is so storybook. It, it is. Uh, and you saw his father openly crying oh, in the bleachers. The I mean, if you're a parent, you see that and you <laughs> oh, go, gosh. oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm verklempt, Glenn. I'm verklempt. Yeah, it was great. It was great. And by the way, I, you know, since he's, I don't know what he's going to be. He's a guy who's, you know, waited until he was 28 to get to the majors. I'll say this. He has a good eye. I think he's walked like five times already. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, that is always such a good story when the guy who kicks around for all those years in the minors gets a shot and comes up big in some fashion. A game-winning single, a home run in his first at bat. You just feel so good for those kinds of players because they have toiled in obscurity so long, holding on to this dream that they're going to get a shot in the big leagues. And then to hit a home run in your first at bat, it's it's the greatest thing. In it's got to be the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And, 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 and great, just... Great moment for him. Good and 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 by the way, great job. I thought that night. I'm going to give credit to the NBC Sports Philadelphia producers who found his family, who found Lorenzen's family. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Who really got all of the emotion into the thing. That if they should take NBC Sports Philadelphia should take that entire game and nominate it for an Academy Award for Best Documentary. They were that good that night yeah. with what they did. And the other thing about that moment that I think you noticed, I think everybody noticed was as he circles the bases, the guy coming out of the dugout to be the first guy to embrace him, to celebrate the thing, is Bryce Harper. Yep. This team just really seems to have it, just really seems tight-knit. I know there was so much criticism earlier in the year of the manager and mm-hmm. everything else, but to me, the manager is the guy who helps, who knows – when to let the player set the mood in the clubhouse. It was one of the great strengths of Charlie Manuel, yes. which is the players really were able to form a team, and the manager should get some credit for that. It doesn't happen. didn't happen under Girardi. It no. didn't. They were too no. tight. It happens here, and I just thought that whole episode was terrific. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the importance of having the right kind of personalities in your star players. Any sport, my feeling is, the star players are the tone setters more than the manager or the coach. And the fact that Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto and Reese Hoskins when he was healthy mm-hmm. and now Nick Castellanos because he's hitting well are those kinds of guys. And Castellanos has spoken eloquently about this in the, his postgame interviews with Scott Fransky about how tight the group is. That stuff really matters. Yeah, And it's the rare team like the, the Bronx Zoo Yankees of the 70s and go the other way where – it's 25 guys, 25 cabs, and we win anyway. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, by the way, do you know who that uh, 25 guys, 25 cabs was originally written about? Oh, I, I don't remember. The Red Sox, the, the mid-60s Red Sox. Is that right? Hate, yeah, the Yaz Red Sox who supposedly all hated each other. Oh, wow. That's where that started. Okay. Anyway, okay. But the big story of the week <laughs> was also Wednesday night. Here's the great thing. Castellanos hits home runs number 199 and 200 of his career is in this hot streak, and he's like, he, he doesn't get on the front it's, page. People forgot about he's it. He's the jump. Yep. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, because Read number, about his home runs on page C7. Yeah. The, <laughs> the second story of the night was Wes Wilson, and the number one story of Wednesday night and of the week and maybe of the season was this. Against the lefty Smith, the 3-2 pitch. Swing and a high yes. fly ball. Center field coming in is Rojas. He's calling. He has got it. Yeah. Lorenzen leaps into the arms of Real Muto. 
and the Phillies pile out of the dugout. In front of the mound, they celebrate a no-hitter tonight by Michael Lorenzen in his second start as a Philly. Uh, just great. And an, an odd no-hitter in that it certainly didn't look early as nope. if he was going to throw a no-hitter. He talked about how he was walking guys who was going deep in counts. He's thinking to himself, like, ah, I'm not going to go. They're not going to let me go deep in this game. Yeah. And there it was. What do you think of the performance? I thought it showed resiliency on his part, as you said, Glenn, to get past the wildness early in the game, kind of settle in. And the big discussion afterwards, as everybody knows, was, wow, Thompson left him in to throw 124 pitches, which I think was the big question for everybody watching the game. It seemed like, uh, it a, is. you know, the first time that Lorenzen, you know, walked somebody else in the eighth or ninth or – uh, whatever the case may be, hit a batter, something like that, Thompson may take him out. And the fact that he left him in there and that uh, Lorenzen was throwing that well that late in the game, it was really a remarkable performance. For the Phillies' sake, you have to hope he recovers and there's no residue that harms him or injures him uh, in the starts to come. Well, he's got a full week off because they got a day or two off and they're now going with the six-man rotation, and, and, and yeah. it's fine. And I, I hate everything you just said. I know. I, I know. hate it. I hate, I hate it like – Oh my God! You know, 104 pitches. Oh, will he survive? <laughs> I mean, I am not. I am not going to do the back in the day. Yeah. Okay. But you're going to do the back in the day. I, I, well, I. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to do the Robin Roberts back right, in the day. Okay. Right. I won't go that far. I'll go. Can I go as far as Roy Halladay? Yeah. It's Kurt Schilling. Yeah. Right. And, and two great Philly alums. And here's the thing, Glenn. And I actually got into a back and forth on social media about this with one of my colleagues, Dave Murphy, who was making the point about, hey. Pitch count is a real yeah, thing. Yeah, I know. I saw him to, like, to yeah, lose it's him. not worth the full. Well, I, I, I don't want to. Dave Murphy. <laughs> I'll rip him. You don't have to. Rip him. No. and I, I don't just like Dave Murphy, but it's a dumb point of view. I, I understand where Murphy's coming from, but I would say this, and this was kind of my counterpoint to him, was this is an issue that baseball, if there's a way to resolve it, they should resolve it because a no-hitter or a shutout is inherently dramatic, and the there are fewer and fewer of them certainly shutouts, all the time. And it's fun. It's entertaining to watch a pitcher throwing a great game and to see if he can continue that into the eighth and ninth inning. And if you take him out, and I said this on social media, if they take him out, the interest in this game is going to plummet because people are tuning in to see if he can throw a no-hitter. Correct. A combined no-hitter, by the way, should not count as a no-hitter. Right. It really shouldn't. It should be in, like, the asterisk, different (laughs) part of the book. Um. Yes, and I and I appreciate that the manager left him in, and he talked about all his doubts and so on and so forth. But he did. By the way, Larry Anderson is going to join us later. You've, you've already heard some great calls from Larry and Scott that we've been playing, and 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 I have the feeling Larry would be on the my side of. Oh, I have no doubt. Zero doubt of absolutely he's going to be on so, your side. So a really interesting side story out of that involves you. Yeah, which is you're. Home now. You were, were you were not scheduled to write that. I night, was right? not. No, I You're was not hanging scheduled. around at home watching a game with yep. the boys, mm-hmm. and you thought up a a story and you pulled it off. So the game ends, and I know that w- I believed we had both of our Phillies beat reporters, who are friends of the show, Scott Lauber and Alex Coffey, mm-hmm. at the game. And but when you're a newspaper columnist or a website columnist, you're supposed to react to big news. If Somebody gets traded. If something big happens, you're you're on the clock. That's it. And I was on 
call, I guess you'd say, that day to write a column. I had already filed something earlier in the day on Trey Turner. So I'm watching the game on TV like everybody else is on NBC Sports Philadelphia, and they keep cutting, of course, to Michael Lorenzen's mother, Cheryl, and his family in the stands, his wife and his baby daughter. And I have my ways of getting people's phone numbers. That's why I'm a good reporter, Glenn. And Hello, FBI. Yeah. It's Silsky. <laughs> Need a favor. Yeah, I, I, I speak in code. You know, the white fox cries softly from the driveway. But <laughs> anyway, I got Cheryl Lorenzen's phone number within 45 minutes of the end of the game. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, do I text her? She might not see the text message. Yeah. So I tried calling her. I just cold called her. And she answered the phone. And she was in the player's lounge. And you could hear the commotion in the yeah. background over the yeah. phone. And I explained who I was, and I said, I'd love to talk to you for a couple of minutes about Michael and his no-hitter. And she says, wonderful. I said, can I ask you, why did you answer the phone? It clearly isn't a number that you recognized. She said, well, I saw the number was from Philadelphia, so I figured it must be important. Wow, that's great. <laughs> and so we talked for 10 minutes. She told me her perspective on the game. She told me about Michael's backstory, which so is So you were Dave remarkable. Dombrowski with a new contract offer. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're going to extend him. It's amazing. Um, and so within 10 or 15 minutes, I had uh, an exclusive and wrote it up for Inquire.com and for the Inquire. And there you go. And now. That was Cheryl- a great column, by the way. You Thanks. really, you really, I-, I will say this. It was a bit of a layup when you get the mom coming off that, but you did it. And yeah. she was terrific and it was fun and funny. Terrific and lady. Caught so, the emotion. Yeah, and, so yeah. proud of her son. Uh, lo- had wonderful things to say about Philadelphia and her experience here so far. And the coolest thing she said was she had been in town helping Michael and his family move into their new home, and she was going to leave Wednesday morning or afternoon. She was going to fly back home to Anaheim, (laughs) and she realized, oh, well, my son's going to pitch tonight. I don't want to miss it. So she pushed her flight back a day so that she could watch Michael pitch in person, and he throws a no-hitter. It was a good decision by her. Yeah. Good timing. Nicely done. Great story by you. All right. Final thing I want to get into, and we'd love to hear from people, 215-592-9494, is the other big story of the week, which was the Trey Turner resurgence. Now, he has gone in the last seven games 12 for 28 with an 894 slugging percentage, a 1345 OPS, nine RBIs in those games, six doubles, two homers. Unbelievable. Trey Turner, Jack Fritz, take a bow. Philly fans take a bow. Remarkable. Uh, Maybe it was all that Turner needed was, what's the other word for it, Glenn? Like the reassurance that people wanted him to do well. Affirmation? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I wrote about this the other day that if you read up on Turner and you talk to people about him, yes, he was incredibly confident. But that confidence was always throughout his baseball career uh, laced with perfectionism pressure that he was putting on himself to be great and it's not a great leap to me to think that once he got into a slump early in the season it started the spiral because he was just trying too hard you know in Philadelphia at least in the past we often looked at athletes who were failing and said they got to try harder maybe in Trey Turner's case it was the exact opposite he just needed to take a big deep breath and I think it looks like the standing ovation did that for him it also helps that he's 
facing the Royals and the Nationals and the Twins sure. who don't have great pitching staff. You and I could hit Dallas Keuchel. But, That's fine. But you can't. You have to give him credit for it because nope. if he weren't hitting against these teams, we'd be killing him for it. Right, and he is, and this is the Trey Turner they signed up for. Exactly. This is the guy they thought they were getting, and he's doing it, and we hope now that it becomes this you know, prolonged thing that he can carry through the season into the playoffs. Um, I think it was, I think it was great what happened here, and I think it's beautiful to see what he's doing. And of course, it becomes the question of well, who who are we now as a fan base? Now that we've done this and it paid off, yeah. And I'm not going with the oh, now we have to do this for Aaron Nola. No, now we have no, no, to no. do this for Joel Embiid. It's like no, 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 no. But there has been, Mike. I think over time, because things evolve a general switch in Philadelphia fans, which is we are no longer, I think, catch me if the Eagles lose their first game, it'll right. be different, but we, we have moved off of that loud mouth, we got a boo, this fan base, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's I think it's that the fan base that was hardened as kids by seeing the Phillies collapse in 1964 is no longer the majority of the fan base. I, I'm inclined to agree with it's you. It's yes. as a baby boomer myself. Yeah. It's not the baby boomers anymore. It's the what generation are we? I'm Which Generation one? X. Okay, X, and after you is Y. Or I a, guess. I don't. And I don't there's millennials and and. Hey Ben, what's the? Oh Ben's on the phone. I'm sorry, Ben. You can get the phone. I apologize. Ben, what's the? Do you know the generations as it goes down? Like from baby boomers to Gen X to what are you? I'm Gen Z. Gen Z. All right. millennials, millennials in between. Yes. All right. So most of the fan base now is Gen Y and millennials. Yes. Okay. They don't carry this nope. anger. No. Well, as a Gen Xer, we're all kind of indifferent in a way. <laughs> That's just our generation. <laughs> um, but I think you're right, Glenn. And I also think, look, the Phillies won a World Series in 2008, and a lot of fans remember that. Yep. And they remember the three years after that where the team was terrific. Yeah. The Eagles just won a Super Bowl in 2017 yeah. and got back to it last year. And, yes, it was disappointing, but people have that ride fresh on their minds right yep. now. Yep. Kenny Rosenthal from Fox Sports and The Athletic made an interesting point, though. I would love to get your reaction to it, which is he suspects that at least among Phillies fans, part of the reason for the softening is the ballpark. Really? That because the Phillies no longer play in the concrete jungle of Veterans Stadium— mm and now have a beautiful ballpark where it's fun to be and there's plenty of great food to eat and people are walking around the concourse and generally happy and it's a lovely way to spend a night a nice in the summer yeah. that people are just generally happier. That's a fascinating point of view. That may be, that, there I think may there be might something be some, to that. I think there might be some truth that, to that. I never thought of that. Yeah. I love, I, listen, I hated going to the vet. Mm. I went to the vet because it was baseball. Yeah. Right? And it was, as a kid growing up around here, it was all we knew. So... You know what? Okay. Well, I moved here, and and I remember when I moved. I moved here from Detroit, where I mm-hmm. used to go to Tiger Stadium, which yeah. was a beautiful, fun oh, kind yeah. of stadium, old but nice. And then I came here, and it's like this great city. This is what they have for baseball, and this is it. Yeah. This is what they live with. I know. And I and I never. I was not the guy like, yeah, the vet's awful, but hey, I grew up there and I saw this happen, and Buddy Ryan and blah blah blah. The mm-hmm. Mike Schmidt. I I I thought like, God, a dump. But that is a great point yeah. in that you are correct. It's You can't get as mad when you're sitting in those beautiful seats walking around the concourse. Drinking a Conchahawk and Brewing Ring the Bell Pilsner. I mean, number, how? Number one selling craft beer. Right? There you go. Uh, yeah, but just the, the, there's there's greenery and there's some shade there and there's there are interesting places to go. That's a fascinating point. Well, we'll ask you. 
Have we changed as a fan base? And let's talk about the Phillies. We'll get Brian as soon as we get back, and then we'll talk to you. By the way, Eagles preseason opener tonight against the Ravens. We will certainly talk about that. If you miss it, I'll be here at 6 o'clock with Hugh Douglas (laughs) doing a pregame show. You're just camping out in the studio all day, I think. Yeah, no, I'm going home. Yeah, I know. Big day, big day in my family, which I'll kind of explain later. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Hey, if the summer heat is not, and it has been, it's been hot. If it hasn't convinced you to replace your old windows and doors, maybe the great people at Guided Door and Window can help by giving you an extra month to do so at the best prices of the year. Take advantage of Guided's big summer sale. Receive 40% off every window and door. Yes, you receive 40% off every window you buy, 40% off all expertly installed, high-performance, triple-pane windows. And you get 40% off all high-quality doors, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can easily buy now, pay later with Guida's low monthly payment plans or interest-free financing for up to 12 full months. Don't wait until fall like every other fool. Replace your windows and doors now. You need to go to Guida now because you take advantage of these huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires at the end of August, so call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack. Now, let's grab a couple calls, and then we will talk a little bit about that Eagles preseason opener tonight. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, Brian's back, Glenn. Starts Come us on. Up. Not, not exactly. Hey, Brian. Hey, good morning, Mike and Glenn. How are you? Good. Doing great, Brian. We have a beautiful Saturday. Uh, great to chime in for a few uh, few seconds here. Uh, you know, you guys are right regarding the, the importance, um, you know, the eyes that are drawn to a no-hitter. Because I wasn't watching the game at the beginning. Like many people, you get the, you know, the text alerts mm-hmm. from various outlets. You know, I got one around the seventh inning. You know, that, you know, Lorenzo has the, you know, through seven innings, no no hitter is going. So, obviously, I turned to it, sort of watched it to the end, and that was a beautiful thing. And, I, you know, I mentioned on my social media feed that this is the beauty of baseball. A routine middle-of-the-week game can be made special. Yeah. You know, just by what, you know, what we saw uh, transpire. Yeah, you're 100% right, Brian. And this is a point I've been making uh, for the last couple of years before baseball started to address it by changing some of the rules and eliminating shifting and adding the pitch clock and all of that, is that the starting pitcher drives so much drama in baseball. You know, think back to when Curt Schilling was at his best with the Phillies, not in 93, but I mean like 1997, 1998, when they were terrible. Yeah. But he was striking out 300 batters a year, and he was a Cy Young candidate. You wanted to watch him pitch seven, eight, nine innings every fifth day. And because of the way the sport has changed and maybe in some ways had to change because of pitcher injuries, that got taken away. And it's it's taken a lot of the drama away from the sport. No doubt. A quick comment regarding the fans and the treatment of Trey Turner. Quite impressed. Now, look, I'll, you know, in all transparency, I, I'm of the type that, hey, I'm not going to criticize a fan who wants to boo because they feel like, hey, this, you know, pay, overpaid players, you know, not performing, but that said, I also appreciate the, the humanity of, of, of fans saying, hey, you know, you know, let's give this guy a, a chance, he, you know, to turn it around. And you know what? This actually goes across different sports. You know, I've, I've seen this change. The Philadelphia fans really didn't boo Ben Simmons, really, until no, after tr- that, that's th- true. that debacle with the, you know, against the Atlanta Hawks. And I even go back to the Eagles and the fans' treatment of Michael Vick. 
I know that was a unique situation, and there are certainly people protesting outside the stadium, but inside the stadium, because I was in there, you know, the fans, you know, pretty much took a, you know, a stance of, hey, he did his time. You know, we'll kind of let's see how things play out. I think the Philadelphia fans, by and large, they're not soft. I just think there's a sense of, of fairness and, you know, wanting to give a guy a, a chance to, to be his best. That's it. I think that's really well said. Thanks for a great Thank call, you. Brian. That's really Thank well you, said. And the, and the Simmons thing is an example. Because, and, you know, the reputation is still there. Hey, you guys ran Ben Simmons out of town. What are you crazy? No. He ran himself out. He did. And people gave him a chance. They wanted to see him shoot the ball. They wanted to see him become the full flourishing of the player he was supposed to be, and they were willing to give him several years to do it until he showed he really wasn't interested in doing it. This is an interesting dynamic for me because I have been here long enough. I started on this station mm-hmm. when Rich Kotite was <laughs> coaching the <laughs> yes. Eagles and Jim Fergosi was coaching the Philly, was managing the Phillies yep. and hated us. Yes. And hated the fan base, and the or certainly spoke ill of the fan base. Mm-hmm. And the fan base, and it like we we almost every day were ranting and raving. And now, now I'm trying to, you know, be part of the new guys. Well, I mean, think of it, yeah, and think of the timing of it too, though, Glenn. I think we talked about this a little bit last week. WIP comes along at a time when. The Flyers are five or six years removed from getting to the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Sixers are eight to ten years removed from winning the championship, and the Eagles haven't gone to the Super Bowl in 10 or 12 years, and the Phillies, with the exception of 1993, aren't a very good franchise, and so there was a lot more to complain about. Yes, there was. was. Oh, gosh, yes. And now— we were the guys to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. And the only part of it— I can never accept is the process mm. because that to me is part and parcel of okay, you know what? We'll lose and we'll be okay. About I get it. We've talked about right? that. That might be the no. thing we have talked about more together. Well, it's the thing because it's the thing we dis- it's the uh, the biggest disagreement yes. you and I will have. Yes, right. I, I and I understand. Right. Listen, they wanted to get Ben Simmons right, so they cheered him yep. when he would shoot two three pointers a year, and it wasn't even sarcastic. It was like, "Hey, you can do it. See, okay, good yeah. boy, pat in the back." Yeah, it was almost patronizing. Yeah, okay. Well, and the Trey Turner thing was, "Come on, we signed you. We we like you. Well, you can do it." And it, and and there was another example. Oh, Markel Fultz was sure. another example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I'm good with all that. Can, can I offer you a theory yeah. based on the Phillies of the last week? Mm-hmm. I think you could make an argument that this was the best regular season week for the Phillies Ooh. since August 27th to 30th of 2007. Whoa. Do you remember what happened that week? Um, 2007. Well, I, yeah, well, I remember 2007 is when they got into the play. August, the, last, the week of August. Yes. No, I think I'm thinking Rollins was deeply involved. That's all I'm thinking. They swept the Mets in a okay. four-game series. Yeah, yeah. Rollins was deeply involved. Rollins was deeply involved. The last game of that series was the 11-10 game that went back and forth, and Utley wins it with a hit off of Billy Wagner in mm-hmm. the bottom of the ninth, I think. And the Phillies swept that series, cut the Mets' lead from six games to two, and it was really, if you look oh, back yeah, on yeah, it, yeah, 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 if yeah, you look yeah. back on it, that was the beginning of that five-year era Great of run. dominance. Yeah. Um, and I would argue this might be the best Phillies regular season wow. week since then. That's more than 15 years ago. That's strong stuff, Mike Sealski. Just saying. Okay. Dave joins us. Hey, Dave. 
All right, Dave. Hi, Dave. Let me let me get you off. Yeah, here. please get to the phone, Dave. We would love to talk um, to you, but you know, okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you guys were talking about the changing culture in Phillies fans and how much the uh, ballpark may have had something to do with it. Um, last night, my kid called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah and he uh, he told me he was at the game. And after the game, uh, John Middleton was down in the plaza uh, at the gate shaking hands. Okay. And we have had some crazy owners in this in this city. But a guy who shows that he is part of the team just makes it that much um, inviting. Yeah, I agree. There's a, there is a connection that Middleton has been very um, smart to create with the fan base. That actually started during the pandemic. You remember how, when people couldn't come to the ballpark? You yep. had those knuckleheads who stood outside yes. and cheered. And he oh, would yeah. <laughs> he would go over and talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he will walk his way through the stands and talk to people. And I, I do I I think that certainly helps create a good connection. Yeah, you know this Phillies team. It's you know, um, it's his team, but it's our team. You got that? Yeah, yeah and and he's just one of us. So that that really goes a long way. Yeah. When people start speaking in favor of the owner. How about it? Things have changed. How about it? But Dave is right, and that's a hard dynamic to create, I think, when you have so many players who have come in from outside organizations, right? You sign Bryce Harper. You sign Nick Castellanos. You sign Trey Turner. You trade for JT Real Muto. One of the things that attracted people to the teams of 2007 to 2011 wasn't just that they were great, which they were, it was that Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, Ryan Madsen, Carlos Ruiz were all homegrown guys. Yeah, and you great. watch them grow great. up. Yeah. This team isn't like that. There are a few guys like that, but the the core of it is outsiders, quote-unquote. And the fact that they've connected in the way that they have uh, speaks to, I think, what Dave Dombrowski has done, what John Middleton has done, uh, and it's a good vibe right now. And Harper sets the tone for it all. Yep. If Harper was a bad guy, none of it would happen. Yeah, well, he was smart. You know, he said, I'm going to be here for 13 years. I've got to like this place, and I have to have this place like me. Get my, get me my fanatic spice. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you can call him pandering for that if you want, but it's, it's also okay. smart. It's okay. Because he's, he's like, this is my home for the next era of my life, and I better enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with pandering if it's well-intentioned. Right. Uh, Clay, hang in there for a minute. We'll get you 215-592-9494. Larry Anderson going to join us at 11. Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. At noon, we'll talk some Eagles football as the day goes on. You can call about that as well. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Phil's twins tonight at the ball yard. Uh, it is uh, alumni weekend. I, I'm, I'm not going down tonight. Well, tonight, by the way, let me just, uh, I'll say it now because he may be listening. Is my Today is my dad's 93rd birthday. Happy birthday to Mr. Marv Macnow. Marv is, uh, is great. My sister flew in this morning. Uh, my dad's brother and his wife are coming in later today. His cousin is coming up from D.C. Going to have a nice party uh, tonight with, uh, the, the, with, his, with his two kids, some of his grandkids, one of his great-grandkids. That's and, awesome. 
Yeah, my, my dad. I am a lucky man because my dad's been my hero since the day I was born, and I still get to have good times. With that's him. that's great. That's so, great. Yeah, you're so. gonna have an awesome day. Except you got to come back and. I know I'm gonna the miss the beginning of the birthday party because I got that, that big one hour pregame show with Hugh. But for, I'll I'll truck out there for that huge preseason opener against the Ravens. This is a big game, Glenn. I know. Look, it, it's wonderful that you have this party, and it's a shame you're gonna miss it. But the fact is that the Baltimore Ravens have won 23 consecutive preseason games, and the Eagles could end that streak tonight. <laughs> this is big, very big. No. And you got to put your family reunion and yeah. your dad's birthday on the back burner. I do. For the majesty of Marcus Mariota potentially ending this streak. That's well said. All right, we'll get into that nonsense later on. Uh, Clay is with us. Hello, Clay. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Clay. Hey, so I live in Kansas City. And it's funny because so you guys that Stanford Trey thing happened when you guys were playing us, right? Right. I'm a huge Eagles fan. You guys, I, I mean, I've called the show before. You guys know I'm a huge Eagles fan. I am a Royals fan, but mm-hmm. I will tell you, I I was bursting with pride at the Philadelphia fan base for doing that. And why I, I said to the call screener, I think one thing that has helped Philadelphia in general as a sports city, mm-hmm. not just locally but in the eyes of like the nation is social media because, you know, people can see now that Philadelphia is not just a bunch of, you know, you, you don't need see whatever his name was, Seamus McCaffrey or whatever his name was in the, uh, Seamus. Yes. Of, Judge <laughs> yeah, Seamus. yeah. 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 And, and, you know, then the other thing too is whenever you would watch a game on national TV, what's the first thing they say? Oh, this is the fan base that threw snowballs at Santa Claus. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, now people know Philadelphia to be different than that. And the other thing, and then I'll let you guys go, is, you know, locally it's easier to organize these things. You know, when Jack Fritz and I think was it the afternoon show that came up with the stand up for Trey thing? It was. It was. It was Jack, and then uh, yeah, Ike and um, uh, John Marks uh, embraced it. Well, how, you know, I would not have known about that. I live in Kansas City. How would I have known about that unless I saw it on the Twitter? Yeah, right. Yeah. So. You know, social media has been a huge and, – and, you know, now people finally see Philadelphia fans, are they rabid? Yeah, but they're reasonable, and they care very much so about their teams. And, I, you know, I will tell you this one last thing. I feel almost because in Kansas City we don't have an NBA team, we don't have an NHL team, and, our, you know, our baseball team is not very good right now. At times I feel like, hey, I want to be grafted into the Philadelphia fan base just because <laughs> you guys are such great fans. So I'm not a four-for-four four guy. I can't claim that. Eagles fan for 40 years. But for sure, I care about what happens to all your teams. And, and you guys have a great day. Thank you. Well, we appreciate Thanks your very outside much, perspective. I guarantee you that that we will be hearing about snowballs at Santa until the day all of us are gone. Here's That'll the, never go You're away. right, Glenn. But here's here's where I think Clay made a really good point which is because of social media and because everybody having access to so much information uh, and, as he said, so many anecdotes that are, that are positive about Philadelphia sports fans, and you, you did a lot of good work in this regard, the Snowballs and Santa Claus thing, there are a lot of people out there now nationally who know the true story behind that. Yeah, I, know, got, I got to write that. Right. Yeah. And who I got know. To I, got to, I found Santa. Exactly. And they and they know that well, this is kind of a bum rap for Philadelphia, uh, and so when that spreads, anytime a national TV pundit or broadcast either mentions it or does the the typical TV thing where they cut to somebody uh, cooking cheesesteaks on the grill, you know, at the stadium, and it's such a cliche, 
there's the immediate pushback of it. There's people on Twitter. There's people on Instagram. There's people everywhere saying, stop doing this. Be better. And people in television networks hear that. And they, I think, to a certain uh, degree, some try do. to be better. There, there are always, every year, there's at least, because everybody will send it to me the moment it happens. Yeah. A dozen times, some stupid columnist in, you know, Ottawa or Washington or whatever writes it. I'm going to tell the story real, real fast, because I can tell it real, real fast. Um, I wrote with uh, Anthony Gargano the ultimate, the Great Philadelphia fan book, where we really wrote a book about the fans of Philadelphia and everything uh, they were and evolved to be and all of the moments and so on. And I did these snowballs at Santa Chapter. And found the guy, Frank Olivo, R.I.P., who was that Santa that day. Here's the story. I bet you I can tell this in a minute and ten seconds. Okay. So Starting now. Okay. So uh, it was the Eagles' last game of a year uh, when they finished 2-12 and 12 and foolishly won two games at the end of the year to take them out of the O.J. Simpson race. It was going to be the day where Santa goes. They, they did these really great halftime shows. It was going to be Santa going around. He was going to throw – uh, candy canes to people and so on. Santa calls in sick that day. They got to find a Santa coming out of the seats. Here is Frank Olivo, a teenager who has the rattiest Santa Claus suit ever and a bad beard. He runs out in the field. It's an awful day. It had snowed. They had never cleared the snow away from the seats. People are sitting in snow. They're angry. The Eagles are losing. They throw a couple sand, one and then two and then five, and everybody laughs, and that's the end of it. Except that night, Sunday night, Howard Cosell, he's the bad ah. guy in this story has the Sunday night national show, okay, mm-hmm. where in Cleveland, Jimmy Brown ran for two touchdowns. And in Philadelphia, we will show you no highlights except for this. <laughs> and they show the Santa Claus dodging the snowballs. And all of a sudden, we became the people who, you know, spit on Miss America. We America. threw snowballs at Santa. A total fiasco. And in Philadelphia, and we it was the albatross. It remains albatross around our neck. All these years later, can't escape it. Did I do it in a minute ten? You did it in a minute ten, and I'm just realizing how much my Howard Cosell sounds like Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> so I'm not going to try that again. All right, that's the story, and it's and and it never ever should have dogged us for all these years. It was nothing. Thank you, Tim. You're on uh, with Mike and Glenn. Gentlemen, uh, appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Um, we're uh, Mike. You and I are kind of the same age. I'm 51. Yep, I'm and 48. And, and I'm a Glenside native too, Tim. Yes, absolutely. Got it. One nine zero three eight. You got forever. it, man. But uh, but uh, anyway, the Ken Rosenthal comments really got me thinking, and I think he's absolutely right. We all know that at the end of the air, at the end of the days, the bet was was horrendous. I mean, if you had a 600 or 700 level. Uh, ticket in the outfield, it was obstruction seating. You couldn't see a ball hit to the warning track. The concession stands were awful. The most exotic thing they had was their version of 7-Eleven pizza. Yeah. The bathrooms <laughs> were, were brutal. And then I think another thing, too, that's kind of a little bit not talked about. I remember in 1992, that first year at Camden Yards, I was 21, I went down there. And I went there and I said to myself, why can't we have something like this? And also, too, what's kind of softened me is the Bill Giles era, that we're a small market team, that yeah. we were expected to you know, mm-hmm. get excited with a free agent signing of, 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 of Craig Jeffries. And, you know, I, I really think that, that that has really kind of – it softened me because you have an owner, and you have two owners now, you know, and again, Norman Brayman versus Jeffrey Lurie. You have two owners now in Middleton and Lurie that are willing to go out and spend money and put a quality product for any price. And again, that I, that I think there's no question, um, you know, those, all those factors have really, you know, softened me because I, Hey, I was seven twenty four 
row 24, seat one, uh, for the last couple of years of the vet for Eagles games. And, you know, my attitude towards those teams have, have changed dramatically for, for the good and, and has made being a Philadelphia sports fan a whole lot better um, in my eyes. That's really well said, Tim. And I think your point, and thanks so much for the call, your point about Camden Yards is an underrated one. Glenn, I did exactly the same thing in the summer of 1992 when I was 17 that Tim did when he was 21. Three friends and I piled in a car and drove from suburban Philadelphia down mm-hmm. to Baltimore mm-hmm. to me see too. this brand new place. Yep, me too. That, quite honestly, changed the history of baseball. Yep, it did. Because it became the, the style of ballpark that every team wanted Brilliant. to have. Yep. And you're right. You can draw a direct line from that to the opening of Citizens Bank Park mm-hmm. and to a better, I think, a better atmosphere in the city. No when it comes to Philadelphia sports. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we'll talk to a voice. You've heard him a lot in the clips we played today. He had a fun week. Uh, Larry Anderson is going to join us. We'll talk some Phillies baseball with him and with you. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, if the summer heat hasn't convinced you yet to replace your old windows and doors, well, the great people at Guided Door and Window can help by giving you an extra month to do so at their best prices of the year. Take advantage of Guida's big summer sale. Receive 40% off every window and door you buy. Yes, 40% off each window you buy. That's 40% off all expertly installed, high-performance, triple-pane windows, and 40% off any high-quality doors, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can easily buy now and pay later with Guida's low monthly payment plans or interest-free financing for up to 12 months. Don't wait until fall like everybody else. Place your doors and windows now. You need to go guide it right now. You can take advantage of these huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires at the end of August. So call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Got to love the whole week because it has been all of that and the uh, voice you hear there. Accentuating that is our pal Larry Anderson. L.A., how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Doing wonderful, L.A. Picked a good, good week to work, my friend. Big time. Boy, it's been fun. Yeah, it's it, it's great. Let's just, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the mood down at the ballpark because we have been talking about that and right. just how much fun, how upbeat it is and how much you you, you must enjoy that from your perspective. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it certainly takes me back to, to my playing days when and playing here um, with the 93 team and the the excitement, the energy, the the just I guess the energy in the in the crowd and the uh, enthusiasm, um, it's it's just and I think Harper spoke to it on our post game a few days ago, and just really I mean, obviously I mean he knows how to what to say, but but he really you could tell he felt it that you know saying that I, I wish I would have started my career here. These fans are fantastic. Um, it it's one thing I, I think for players and 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 getting them to understand that if you, if you don't perform, if you don't bust your tail and perform here, you might get booed, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean the fans, they're not booing you as a person. They're booing a performance. And, and a lot of these players, when they, if they do get booed, they, they can look at their performance and go, you know what? I should get booed. But on, on the flip side of that, when you're going right, when you're busting it and they see the effort or you, you're a stand-up guy like Turner, Turner stood up and said, I've cost us the game in Miami, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the fans react to that, and they come home, and they give them a standing ovation. Now, some people didn't like that. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. They're like, well, this isn't this, that's not a real Philly fan, standing up and, and giving an ovation. Like, 
these these people that are outside of Philadelphia have bought so into this uh, uh, belief that Philly fans are terrible and they boo everybody and they're rotten. Fans. You know, I just I'm so sick of hearing that um, <laughs> because they're the best fans in the country. I mean, I'm telling you from from experience, from playing around different places in the country, um, there's nothing like it here. There just isn't, and it's. Um, it's just been so much fun, and it, it just—I uh, get excited for the players that that uh, you know, especially the young ones that get here, and like like Wes and Wilson. That uh, what it's like for them—it's just—it's incredible. It really is, and I, I just love it. So, LA, you made an interesting point there, kind of drawing the connection between the team this season and even last season to the one you played on thirty years ago in '93. Right. And I, 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 while I agree with you about the ovation for Turner. I also have to think that it would have been pretty surprising if a, a guy in the 93 team who had been struggling would have been given a standing ovation at the vet. So what do you think has changed over time to, to get it to this point where a guy like Trey Turner, who, if he had been paid that amount of money that long ago, probably would have been booed. So what, what's different now from what you've seen? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think um... – First of all, the, the the team winning last year, I think, made a big difference, um, or, or getting into the World Series. Um, I think that made a big difference. I think the the excitement, the the of the, the expectations of the players, they finally met their expectations into the playoffs. Um, and I think it's kind of similar this year. Everybody expected this team to do so much um, that when, when they didn't, uh, that you know, you, I guess you obviously you're going to get booed at the expectations. You're not meet, reaching those expectations or, or, or uh, attaining those, and everybody expected this team to do what they've done this this homestand. They expected to do that from game one of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't I don't really know what the difference is. I I, I just I think the expectations. Uh, partly, I think you know, knowing Trey Turner, I think these are knowledgeable fans. They know what kind of player Trey Turner is. Mm. They know he's so much better than he showed. Uh, the first half of the season, you know, up until, you know, uh, what, two weeks ago, they, they knew what kind of player he was. I think that, I think part of that plays into it that like, let's, instead of booing this guy, let's, let's, let's get behind this guy. Mm-hmm. Let's get behind him and let's, let's get the, let's see if we can't get the real Trey Turner, the one we've, we've seen so much in the past with Washington against the Phillies and with the Dodgers. Um, let's, let's, let's see what he can do for us. If, if we if we get behind him, if, if we, as, as they said, have his back. All right, LA. I'm going to switch yeah. it up a little bit. I'm going to talk yeah. a little. Let's. I'm going to talk a little bit about pitching. Um, I, and I'm going to. I'm going to assume this team is going to make the postseason, which I may yeah. regret saying, but I don't think I'm going to regret saying that. No. When that happens, they're going to shorten up the rotation, which, right by the way, now has six guys doing well. Um, before I ask you who might be the guys to move, I want to ask you what it's like. Uh, Moving a starter to relief, and I understand I'm asking a guy who pitched 699 games in his career, 698 of them in relief. Um, right. So you weren't a starter. By the way, I found the one game that you started. Yeah. 1982, Fenway Park. Yep. Didn't go that well. Yeah, it, it wasn't that bad mm. um, for, for as bad as I was pitching. Um, I came out and with four, after four and two-thirds with the man on second and a five-to-three lead. Oh well, there you go. Well, you gave it. They, you you ended up with four earned runs. You didn't get the loss. You yeah. could have had one more game batter. You could have had to win. 
That's what I was. That's what I keep yeah. thinking. I look back and I'm like, man, come on, last one more, one more hitter. Come on. <laughs> okay, one more hitter. Right. Anyway, anyway, anyway. What if if a guy is a starter and these guys are are starters? What is the right. change in moving to the bullpen? What does he have to adjust to? Um, I think he has to adjust mentally first of all to to understand that he could be in any game. He could be in there tomorrow. He could be in the next day. He could he could be in the today. It's just. I think you have to be ready all the time um, to, to, to answer the, the, the call. Um, I think that's the big difference. Um, physically, I think for younger pitchers, I think it's, it's, it's not that tough now because we're not conditioning pitchers to go six innings, seven innings, eight innings. We're, we're not us. I mean, baseball as a whole, they're conditioning pitchers to pitch three, four innings to almost to be like openers. I, I just, I don't get it, but um, you know, we're we're babying these players so much, these pitchers so much in the minor leagues that it shouldn't be it, it shouldn't be a struggle to go to the bullpen. Other than I think mentally is the biggest part of it, um, and and obviously you know seeing how your arm bounces back that's going to be a, a difference for for everybody uh, going from starting to relieving. Um, but I it, I just don't think it should be it, it's that big of a deal if you have you have veterans down there that. Um, you know, that can help you move into the bullpen that have been there, have done it, you know, Kimbrell, um, Soto, all these guys, Alvarez, you've got these guys that, that can help you through it and, and help you to understand what you need to do. And so I, I just, I think it really is more mental. I, I don't think it's a, a tough situation to go from the rotation to the pen. So, L.A., we're talking with Larry Anderson, of course, uh, and radio analyst for the Phillies. So, L.A., you mentioned guys who have done it before. And the irony, of course, is that, the guy who just threw 124 pitches in a no-hitter, Michael Lorenzen, is a guy who has done it before. Does he right. seem to you like the most obvious candidate amongst the rotation, like Len was asking, to be the guy who might move to the bullpen in a short series, a guy who gives you two innings if you need it? Um, or would you do you see a different role for him? Uh, the way he's pitched, well, the way he's pitched the first two games, I, I would not, I wouldn't even think about moving him to the bullpen hmm. um, because. Our rotations, I think, has some has some holes. I think it's not it's not solid. I don't. I mean, who's been the most consistent? I think after Taiwan Walker's tough start in April, he's probably been our most consistent starter. Um, and uh, the other guy, Wheeler, Nola, mm-hmm. um, they've had their days, but they've been. Nola, especially, been very inconsistent. Yeah. That, my biggest concern is is our top two guys in the rotation. That I'm more concerned about that, uh, and and even Ranger to the to, uh, of late, who's struggled with his command. Uh, Sanchez, another one, has been very consistent. And I know it sounds crazy to say, well, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Lorenzen and Sanchez in, in in the playoff. No, I probably wouldn't do that. But um, I hear but, your but, point, though. I mean, you know, and 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 listen, those two starts by Lorenzen have been outstanding let me ask you about nola because it is now we're into august and he just seems to never have adjusted this year and i mean the i i think it's the pitch clock and i think it's and but it just seems like everybody else in baseball is adjusted yeah i think it's um he's fighting it i mean the clock was getting down close to to zero a Mm -hmm. lot of times in his last start i mean he he was sweating i know it was really hot and and that's um, I, I think that affected him. He was sweating. He kept going to the rosin bag, going to the dirt. Um, 
and and that that can be tough. But but I do think the clock has affected him. And I I mean, at some point you have to go. You need to figure it out. You know, you have to say it's been four months. You need to figure out how, how to manage that pitch clock. And there's there's little things you can do. I think talk to talk to Real Muto and have him. You know, check the ball after a pitch. You know, look at it or something. Or with Nola, I, I saw uh, who was it yesterday? I can't remember the pitcher threw a pitch and turned his back and walked back to the mound. So he couldn't get the ball. Because once you get the ball back and you start heading to the mound, they start the clock. So uh, walk back to the mound with your back to the catcher and wait till you get on the mound and turn around. And then when you catch the ball, now you got your full time right there. You're on top of the mound. Little things that, that you can do to try and uh, and help yourself out. Nola's one of those guys to me that when things start going south, when when start trending downwards in, a, in an inning, he needs that break. He needs and that's where I think, like, the hitter gets a timeout every at-bat. Why doesn't the pitcher get a timeout at once an inning? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that would be a big help to somebody like Nola. Um, and, and for, you know, baseball is going to put out that, hey, everybody's adjusting to it. It's, it's been no big deal. It, it's been a big deal for a lot of guys. They're, they're, they, they, can't, they don't have the time. If you get a new every, – every pitch almost, you get a new ball. You, you don't have time to rub it up and get on the mound and get your sign and pitch. It's, it's like you're, you're down to the last second. Um, but I mean, if that's if it's the rule, it's the rule. Yeah, he's got to. I mean, yeah. again, you don't like it, but it's now he's got to adjust. Yeah, but his his big to me his biggest problem is he's he has completely lost the ability to pitch at the knees. Mm. When he was when he when he was pitching in 2018, 2017, he could he could paint the, the down and away his glove side to a right handed hitter. He could paint that or bring it from a left-hander, start it in off the plate and bring it back to the corner. But now he doesn't do that hardly at all. And I, I think he's if, – if you if you can't establish that fastball, you you lose the effectiveness of your breaking ball and your changeup, or some of it anyway. And But if you can command that fastball, it's like to me he just he gets predictable because he gets deep in account and he won't throw his fastball. And when he does, if, if he throws it in the right spot, they don't even swing at it. That more than anything, they complain that it's low. Yeah. And this is, goes all around baseball. Pitchers, if they pitched at the knees, they would have so much more success right now because everybody's looking belt high and above. And Nola pitches, he, the majority of his pitches are mid-thigh. Mm. And, and it's, I mean, yeah, so- I, I just say, go back and look at all the pitches you've thrown at the knees and see how much damage has been done. Zero. Yeah. So, so L.A., you've spent the last couple of minutes really – you know, being fairly critical of Aaron Nola, one of the, yep. the guy who's supposed to be one of the Phillies' better starters. And we had a development in baseball this past week where Kevin Brown, you know, broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles, basically gets right. suspended because he says some things on the air that the owner of the team, John Angelos, doesn't like because Angelos feels like they reflect poorly on the Orioles. You have never right. been someone who has censored himself during a broadcast. What did you think of what happened in Baltimore? And kind of take the listeners through why you do it the way you do it. I think it's terrific, um, and I always have. Uh, but I'm curious your thoughts as to what happened in Baltimore and, and why you call a game with the honesty that you do. I think it's a travesty. I think it's a travesty. for The thing is, is this was put in their notes. It yeah. goes out to yep. the media. Yep. It, was, it was made present. He he basically read the notes. He read the page, yeah. <laughs> right? And that they put out for the media. Uh, the, the, to me, I mean, and uh, you know, we all talk about it. But I said, there, there's got to be something more to it. There has to be. They, you you can't just do that. My my feeling for me, the honesty. The reason I do it is because 99 percent of the people that, that 
comment something to me, say, thanks for being honest. Thanks for telling mm-hmm. us the way it is. Thanks for be keeping it real. Mm-hmm. And my, my whole thing is that I, I've, I've gotten in trouble. I mean, I've, you know, I've been talked to. Um, but the, the one thing is I, I just I wish they would understand is I don't broadcast to our front office. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I, my, my job is not to, to make them happy the way I broadcast. My job is to broadcast to the fans. I'm a huge fan. I'm, the, I'm one of the biggest fans of the, of the Phillies baseball there is. And I know I played and I, I worked for the team, but I'm a huge fan. And people sit at home and they see something bad happen, some mental errors, some things that shouldn't happen. People at home want to pick up the shoe and throw it through the TV. <laughs> I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. And I want, to re, I want to relate to those people. Right. Right, I, and it, it's not. I'm. I'm not being critical of the team per se. I'm just saying this. I'm. I'm. Re, I'm relaying what fans are thinking at home because I'm a fan. Yeah, and, and I so think I'm speaking I, to them. Yeah, and I think that's what a an analyst and a and a broadcaster is supposed to do. It's supposed to connect with and reflect what fans are thinking and feeling. And that to me was what was so uh, crazy about what happened in Baltimore was that, as you said, you know, Kevin Brown is reading from the game notes. And part of what made has made what the Orioles are doing this season so remarkable is that they were so terrible for so many years. That was yeah. that's what makes them a great story. How can you leave yeah. that part out? I don't. I don't think you can. And I, my my feeling is like, who is who has felt the the agony of defeat more than a than a Philadelphia fan? Whether it's football, baseball, basketball, hockey, who's felt more agony of defeat than a Philly fan? Mm-hmm. Not many. Mm-hmm. But yet they still are there. They're still for you every game. They're still they're knowledgeable. They're, they bring energy. They want you to do well. They're into the game. I I love that. You know that that's I I want the I want the fans to to, to celebrate the thrill of victory a lot more than they have. And that's that's and I I want to be honest about it. I want to say this is what we need to do. Or it's my opinion. You know I'm not I don't have the answer. I'm not the shell answer man. But I have my opinions, and I'm <laughs> that's what I'm supposed to to say and I'm, you know and the one thing I will say is when I when I have been spoken to um a lot of times it's because I, I dwell on it I keep going uh. you know instead of instead of pointing something out um and saying it just shouldn't happen I I go on and on about it because I, I do that with my wife so and it gets me in trouble too <laughs> yes yes um, so I understand the Phillies in the, from that standpoint but for me to say something that's that's negative um my 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 other answer to that is let's not get negativity mixed up with honesty. Yep, there's a difference. Yep. Yeah. All yeah, right. Real quick before you go, it is alumni yeah. weekend. Must be really fun for you, right? Old friends coming back. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who who have you caught up with? No, nobody yet. Uh, uh, Tommy Green came in, in the the office uh, yesterday. Roger Mason came in. Um, oh, stocks working for us, so he came in the booth, but. Um, I haven't really seen anybody yet. Uh, I've talked to Sarge a little bit, but you know he's working, you know, mm-hmm. for the club. So I haven't really gotten a chance to get around to all the guys, which uh, a lot of that will happen today and definitely tomorrow. Um, it makes it tough for me working. Yeah. Yes. I want to work, but yeah, it's the week when you see everybody else is out partying and you got to work. <laughs> I get, I get it. Last thing but I want to say is nothing like working like these days with these games though. That's oh, that it's, the other week. It, it is. It's 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 festive. It's a party. It's been great times, and the team has just been terrific over the yeah. over the uh, last week or well, last twenty something games. Uh, I just want to personally thank you um, because uh, you and Scott uh, agreed to do the Fransky and L.A. beer uh, golden ale with Conchock and Brewing Company, which I'm part of, and with money 
going to the – why am I forgetting the charity for a second? The, help me out here. The, uh, Philadelphia uh, sp- Sports uh, – Oh, you Sports Collaborative. Yes. yes. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. I, I apologize. Anyway, um, we've raised at this point, I think, up upwards of $25,000 for it. because. Wow. And and you guys really took the lead, and we really uh, we really appreciate it. It's been it's been uh, a great cause. It was been an a great honor, time. an absolute honor for me, and I'm sure Scott the same way. It's it's uh, we appreciate what you did for us, and it's it's fun. We enjoy it. And you got that last delivery of beer the other day, right? Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yes, thank you. Drink it slow because that's the last one of the season. <laughs> oh man, that was good beer. Yeah. Hey, L.A. Oh, love it. Always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoyed it, guys. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks so LA. much. You go. There you go. Yeah, Philadelphia Sports Collaborative got a brain fart. There, no, it's so. okay. I'm just it's it's hard for me not to listen to LA today and not re, like wrap my head around the fact that it has been 30 years since that 1993 team, mm-hmm. which was the greatest summer of my life. I mean, up at, to that point so and for what, years thereafter. It's uh, 17, 18 years old at the time. Yeah, it was the yeah. summer I graduated oh, from high school. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and I mean, every night was. What's going to happen tonight? How are they going to win tonight? Is, is Mariano Duncan going to hit a grand slam on Mother's Day? Is Lenny Dykstra going to hit a double in the 20th inning? Is Milt Thompson going to bring back a home run against the Padres by jumping over the fence? It was such a cool year and, and something that I think Philadelphia baseball fans at that time had been waiting for for so long that, you know, despite everything that's whatever you want to say about the people on that team, that year remains special to those of us who experienced it as fans. When baseball is is bad, it's 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 really bad. But when baseball is good, it's compelling. Yeah, because it's, it's every that's night. That's the thing. It's every football's night. an event, right? Football mm-hmm. is the once a week, and you gear up for it. And there's the rhythms of the week, right? It yeah. leads up to the game, and then Monday you break it all down. And it, it, baseball is just like, well, there was last night, and guess what? We get to do it again tonight. Yeah, ask anybody who covered the 2011 Phillies, for instance. You, you will t- they will tell you how cool it was to watch Roy Halladay pitch one night, and then Cliff Lee pitch the next night, mm-hmm. and then Cole Hamels pitch the night after that, because you were seeing excellence every single night. And yeah. it's a shame that season ended the way it did, but it was a fun ride. It was a great ride. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Coming up, we're going to give you some great shows that we've been watching. Well, one I've been watching, and I think Mike thinks it wasn't that great. But we'll let you know. It was not. Okay. That's all coming up next on 94 WIP. Oh, right. <laughs> it never see. fails to make me laugh. Absolutely so great. It is time for what we're watching. Sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of the Guided Door and Window big summer sales event. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call one eight seven seven go guida or visit go g u i d a dot com. Um, you go first because you have something you didn't like. So okay. let's we'll start with the low note and end with the high note. Okay, so I watched uh, the latest, I guess you'd call it an episode of a Netflix documentary series that is called Untold. And oh, I see. was that the Reggie Jackson one? I, I don't think so. Oh, okay. the, Ma- the Manti Teo one that yeah, came yeah, out yeah. a year or two ago was yeah. part of the series. They did one about the Malice in the Palace, the brawl mm-hmm. between the Pacers and the Pistons back in 2004. And this latest one has generated a lot of buzz, and it's about Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, the quarterback at Texas A&M who won the Heisman Trophy as a freshman, gets drafted in the first round by the Cleveland Browns, and he's a total bust and washout and flameout. Glenn, talk about a missed opportunity here. You get Johnny Manziel interviewed 
on this doc. You get his father. You get his sister and his agent. You get them all to sit down and talk to the director, Ryan Duffy, about Manziel's struggles in college, how he handled fame, how he flamed out in the NFL, how he went to rehab, how he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, how he contemplated suicide, how he studied absolutely no game film in the NFL, <laughs> like zero. Mm-hmm. They knew that the Browns knew he had studied nothing. And the documentary pretty much skims over all of these important and interesting topics. Instead, we get Johnny reliving the good old days. We get adulation and praise from people who knew him at Texas A&M. Again, we have all these revelations about the things that he did or did not do. Uh, Got a fourth stringer to take his drug test for him, things of that nature. But they're just glossed over. The director spends a minute or two, not even, on any of these, and they're just kind of thrown away. There were depths to be plumbed here, really interesting, important topics to be dealt with, and Ryan Duffy apparently was not interested in dealing with any of them. We get instead kind of a pay-on to Johnny Manziel and what might have been. Two stars out of four, very disappointing. I went into this with high expectations. I was interested in Johnny Manziel. I have a connection to the Browns from that time. Mike Pettin Jr. was the head coach. He's, I covered him when he was a high school coach at North Penn. Uh, I covered him when he was the defensive coordinator of the New York Jets. I wanted the inside take on how it was to deal with Johnny Manziel, and that documentary delivered nothing. Very disappointing. That's too bad. Opportunity wasted. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Okay. Um, but fortunately— you're watching something that you're really enjoying. I really do like it. It's a really good drama. Uh, it's called Hijack. It's on Apple TV, um, and it stars Apple TV Plus, and it stars Idris Elba. Ah. Uh, I think our mutual friend Anthony Sanfilippo is the mm-hmm. guy who turned me on to this show. It's a it's a streamer version of Twenty Four. You remember the Twenty Four? Sure. Okay, so it, it's like that in that it takes place in real time. It is a High drama that takes place in real time, and each episode ends with a little bit of a cliffhanger. Okay. Uh, but it's not 24 hours. It's a seven-hour transatlantic flight is what it is. Um, and it tells us, by the way, it was created by the guy who did the French show Lupin, which I loved. It was okay. one of my favorite shows. If you can go back and find that, L-U-P-I-N, great drama that ran for a couple of seasons. Hijacked is a seven-episode story. It tells a story about a flight going from Dubai to London that um, gets hijacked, mm-hmm. obviously, by armed criminals who take over the plane. And the only guy who can possibly save the day is Idris Elba, who is his job, you learn, is he's a skilled, uh, powerful negotiator who is the guy who they bring in to prevent deals from falling apart. Okay. Okay. Um, you learn... The other characters, you know, the passenger in row 18B, she's important, and mm-hmm. this guy, he may be important, and this guy, I don't think he's going to live through the whole thing, and you learn <laughs> about the hijackers, and um, I don't want to give away too much, but they don't know on the ground that the plane has been hijacked through the first few episodes, and when they do, there's the possibility it's going to get shot down. Anyway, it is a very interesting drama. It takes place in the confined space of a plane. Um, All these passengers stuck together, all the drama that you would get, all the tension that you would get from there. And the biggest part is that Idris Elba is great. Mm -hmm. Like Kiefer Sutherland was the guy for the role. Yeah, and Idris Elba is great in everything. 
I mean, he's he's one of those actors who you see him in a project and you know he's going to be terrific, even if the movie or the TV show isn't necessarily good. It's amazing to remember that he started out as Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell on the, the wire, wire, baby. Right? Yep. And, and he seems so... Like, that was a thousand years ago. It, it was, seems. but he was awesome in that show. Yeah, well, he's really charismatic, and he's got the acting chops, and so he gives gravity to it and urgency to it. And there are a few times during the show where you say, like, that eh, seems a little unrealistic, but mm-hmm. that's okay. It, it so- kind of ride along with that. It sounds like Die Hard on a Plane. Well, yeah, Die Hard or 24 okay. or, any, or, or something like that is really what it is. And I, I recommend it. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It is called Hijack. I have seen, uh, as I said, four of the seven episodes. Don't know how it's going to resolve. Don't know. Mm-hmm. It, you know, oftentimes I'll recommend a show before it's over, and then the last episode will be kind of dopey. Yeah. Um, the, the last show I really recommended, if you remember, was Deadlock a couple yes. weeks ago. Yeah. which you loved. I loved, but I didn't love the ending. Oh, really? Yeah, I recommended it before the ending. It didn't ruin it. Okay. But it takes a couple of points away. That's interesting. You know what? It's tough to end a show. It is. It is. It really is. Um, You see that time and time again throughout television history, right? Like how many finales, even of the most beloved shows of all time, really nail it? Like Seinfeld didn't. No, I hated that last episode. Right. And I'm trying to think of Cheers. Breaking Bad did. Breaking Bad did. Cheers, I think, did. Cheers did. Yeah. Um, The greatest of all time was Newhart, of all time. Oh, yeah. Nobody remembers that now. No, I remember that. He he wakes up and... (laughs) Yeah, says, oh man, did I ever... Suzanne Plachette? Yes, it? <laughs> that was that was terrific. That was so clever. Anyway, um, but I do recommend this show, and if you like a good tense drama, uh, this is one. It's not too highbrow. It's you okay. know, it, yeah. it's, it's not prestige TV. It's, right, it's popcorn TV. And and you know what? I love popcorn good for TV. Popcorn TV, you I need it. You actually, had a bag of popcorn last night. Is that why? So, this is an old what we're watching, but tonight, Glenn, uh, my wife and my two sons and I are going to gather around the television. Uh, we have finally reached the point where we can watch the finale of season five of Stranger Things. And, oh, and okay. it is wow. two season a- five. Yeah, they four, did five or four. I think it's season, four. maybe it is season four. Okay, and they're going to come out with I w- five. I watched three. Okay, um, yeah, th- whatever the the last episode, last available episode of okay. Stranger Things. You're there, is, and it's two hours and twenty minutes. It's like a movie into itself. So we've been planning this all week that we have to, you know. Mom will be home and dad will be home and, you know, we're picking you up from this birthday party and this miniature golf outing and we are going to be home and we're going to watch this thing together as a family. So I can report back next week. Wow. Okay. Uh, Good for you. Yeah. Because there aren't many shows anymore that you can watch as a family. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's great. You know, we should one day put out the call for great shows to watch. How old are you boys? 12 and 9. Yeah. Good shows to watch with a 12 and 9 year old. That'd That'd be a good topic. Yeah. We were surprised about Stranger Things in that we had heard that it was suspenseful and scary. Yeah, nine-year-old uh, was you started. He was what, like seven? He didn't he's get... he's handling it. Okay. He's, he handles it very well. First season, I was a little bit. Uh, yeah, we we were too. Monsters, and, you know. We were that way too, but he handles it really well. And the yeah. next stage for me with them is getting them to watch the uh, Dark Knight trilogy. I got them to watch Batman Begins the other day, and then we're going to move on to the Dark Knight. Good for you. So. By the way, do you, are you a microwave popcorn fan? I haven't had it in a while, but oh, yeah. I'll eat it. It's a yeah. go-to snack. Yeah. What's your like nine thirty at night go-to snack? Oh, I try not to eat at nine thirty at I night. Okay. <laughs> I, um, I try also. But I don't succeed. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm a sucker for um, dark chocolate. Oh, 
So like oh, I'll I'll okay. buy like a bag of like pretzels. I, with oh god, dark I love it. Yeah, that's good you know, stuff. That yeah. sort of thing. I, I try not to do that at I know, 30, but I yeah. know. Because then I lie awake for the next microwave you know. popcorn, old bay. Ooh. Sprinkle old bay right in the bag. Gives a little bit of a kick. Okay. All like right. that. Like All that. Right. Like a chickies and peats popcorn. Uh, and a lager. Yes. Okay. Um so the Eagles play tonight. It is the first preseason. Mike Sielski, I'm going to play for you now the last interesting play ever in an Eagles preseason game. Here okay. you go. Brian Westbrook in the backfield. And Terrell Owens, everybody all eyes, all attention on T.O. and how this will all work out. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see the first play if they don't try to get the football to Terrell Owens. his way fires it his way there's Owens at the 45 inside the 20 and on the first play at Philadelphia in an eagle uniform Terrell Owens takes it 81 yards right on the jersey number by the way against those Ravens uh, was, you remember I that th- I was there that night is that right yes wait you were working you were a pup I was the sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times. Sweet. And I was there that night, and that is the most electrified the link has ever been for a preseason game. Yes. It was it was remarkable. It was perfect because they had just traded for him and he had been dominating throughout camp. You would watch it, you would go to Lehigh. Oh, we did. We went to Lehigh for a midday show, got caught up in traffic. Andy Reid didn't make it to practice that day. But it was, they had like thousands, thousands of, people of people driving those roads, flooding yep. the Bethlehem Route 378. And you would watch Terrell Owens in practice and you would say to yourself, oh. Yeah, this is special. So this is what an elite wide receiver yeah, looks like. Yeah, yeah. And then you see that game, the first home preseason game, and McNabb hits him deep, and, uh, you know, it was a, a pretty special season. So I say that because the Eagles open their preseason tonight. I'll be doing a preseason show with Hugh Douglas, 6-7, to seven, right here in this studio on 94 WIP. Uh, we're going to talk to Jimmy Kemsky at noon from phillyvoice.com, so we'll find out what he mm-hmm. thinks about that. But, Mike Sielski, uh, yes. what would you say is the uh, is the, the biggest uh, the, the priority tonight? I am going to be looking, while I'm not watching Stranger Things with my family, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be looking at Marcus Mariota, Glenn, because I am unsure about him as the Eagles' backup quarterback. Look, this may not be a thing. Jalen Hurts may not get injured. There may be no reason during the course of the season for Marcus Mariota to take a meaningful snap for the Eagles. History suggests that will not happen. Eagles history suggests that they need a good backup quarterback. Uh, It can lead to them winning Super Bowls. It can Mm -hmm. lead to them getting to the playoffs. Uh, But Mariota, to me, has been thoroughly unimpressive in training camp. Now, I know it's training camp, and I know that some guys can play better when the lights come on and the games actually matter. But Marcus Mariota was not a good quarterback last year for the Atlantic Falcons. And in camp, he seems to throw everything off his back foot. He seems late. He's very fast. It can really run. And I think if he were to ever get into a game, you're going to see the Eagles run him and run the ball a lot because I'm not sure he can throw the ball well enough for them to run the offense that they want to run with Jalen Hurts. So that's what I'm going to be looking forward to see if he proves me wrong. Do we even know how much he's going to play tonight? A quarter? Good, good question. Probably a quarter or two at most. So at last most. year, Jalen Hurts got into one preseason game. Yes. And took a late hit. Yeah. And then Nick got him out. And Nick pulled him right away, in part because he 
should have thrown the ball away and didn't. Yeah. Uh, and then he broke the pocket and took a hit from a Jets linebacker, and that was that. We didn't see Jalen Hurts the rest of the preseason. Right. Wait, is Ian Book? See the third. Who's the third stringer now? It's yeah, Ian, Ian Book, Ian Book is, still is on around, the team. Right? Yeah, and uh, who is the third string quarterback? Uh, you know what's funny? His he's wearing number. Whoever it is is wearing number ten, and I keep thinking it's Coy Detmer. Tanner McKee. <laughs> there that you is? go. Wait, he one- hold on. What's his name, Ben? Tanner McKee. Tanner McKee. Uh, is, wasn't he one of the bad news bears? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he sounds to me like a freshman at Duke. Yeah. Tanner McKee. He's a lacrosse player at Wesleyan. So we're going to see a lot of Ian Book and Tanner McKee over the course of the next few weeks. Yeah, but Glenn, it's football. No, it's not football. It's, <laughs> it's football. It's fake football, but there you go. We'll talk more about that coming up. Uh, and we'll talk to you, 215-592-9494. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94WIP. And it's time for me to tell you that if the summer heat hasn't yet convinced you to replace your old windows and doors, well, maybe the good people at Guided Door and Window can do so by helping, uh, giving you an extra month to do so at the best prices of the year. Take advantage of Guided's big summer sale. Receive 40% off every window and door you buy. Yes, receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all expertly installed, high-performance, triple-pane windows, and you get 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can easily buy now and pay later with Guida's low monthly payment plans or interest-free financing for up to 12 months. Don't wait until fall like everybody else to replace your windows and doors. You need to go to Guida right now so you can take advantage of these huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires at the end of August. So call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Well, it turns out it was related to back spasms. Uh, he's not quite sure how that occurred, how they happened, but he has been out of the lineup. Dr. Mark Pollard, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint, is with us now. Doc, how's your weekend going? Uh, going great, thanks. Good. Glad to hear that. So the good news, you know, we always like when we really don't have significant injuries to talk to you about. So back spasms is probably uh, kindergarten for you in terms of your experience. But it's going to be a really dumb question. What what are back spasms? What brings them on? And how serious can they be? Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, back spasm is not exactly a specific term. Uh, but, you know, it just means you know, pain uh, in some muscles in the back. And, you know, you've got a multitude of muscles that uh, are in the back that, you know, allow you to move around and, you know, maintain posture and things like that. So, you know, it's most of the time, you know, when they talk about back spasms, it's just a matter of, you know, just like any muscle you have, if you use it, you know, awkwardly in a way that you're not used to, it can be sore for a couple of days. Um, you know, on the, the good side is that most of the time when something is just called, you know, spasms, it's, uh, you know, the recovery is a matter of days to get better as opposed to, you know, some kind of a, a sprain or something like that, which can, you know, oftentimes takes, take weeks. It, it might seem a little simple, doctor, but because Harper is now playing first base as opposed to being a designated hitter or playing right field, uh, is it fair to assume and safe to assume that, He's moving more at first pace, therefore he's more susceptible to something like this. Something like this cropping up. Um, and that's kind of a difficult question, obviously. Um, 
you know, I guess he's he's got to get himself in some different positions because he's trying to adjust to catch the ball. You know, not, not all throws are 100% perfect, um, allowing you to stand up straight, you know, with perfect posture to catch it. So, um, and also if the ball is, is hit to you, obviously you have to get into some strange positions. Um, that can happen in the outfield, but, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, intuitively when you're in the outfield, you have a couple of seconds to kind of adjust yourself to get into a little bit better position. But um, I guess the, the short answer is, yeah, probably. Okay. That's a good medical answer. I like it. All right. One other, <laughs> as long as we're talking about cramps, we've got one other really odd one, which is um, Jose Alvarado, the Phillies relief pitcher, uh, who's begun his rehab assignment uh, and, and uh, threw 16 pitches of batting practice yesterday, was slowed down because he had cramps cramping in both hands. The heck would cause that? Um. Well, that's it. I think we stumped him, Mike. I, I think, think we I, did. I think we stumped the doc. I think <laughs> it's. I think Jose's been playing too many video games, and that's part of what's caused his hands to cramp up. But you know, that I'm could, looking at this on the bright side. <laughs> that could be, or perhaps too much phone time. Um. You know, the um. Taking a step back, you know, away from you know bones and joints and musculoskeletal. Sometimes, if you have some kind of a um, an electrolyte um, uh, deficiency or something like that, that can predispose you to getting cramps. But most of the time, it's overuse and uh, your uh, um, uh, supposition that perhaps it's due to <laughs> video game controllers may not be Maybe so good. outlandish. There you go. It, Could be. And he's got to start drinking some Gatorade or something. Yeah, for the you know. Yeah, who who knows? I don't. I don't even want to care to speculate, doctor. All right. Hey, uh, yeah. Doctor Pollard, have a great weekend. Always nice to talk to you. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Be well. There you go. All right. Um, we talked earlier about Cole Hamels and not yes. Cole Hamels. Excuse me. He retired. Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Yes. Finally, oh. Cole Hamels retired. Yeah. I wonder if he's back for uh, alumni week. That's a great question. That's a great question. One of my he, absolutely one of my favorites. When I got news when he go when he and Howard and Rollins and Utley. All go in together. Mm-hmm. They can retire any of those numbers, by the way. Because if you do one, I think you got to do all yeah. four. So you're doing all yeah. four, or you're not. The yes. Phillies always had that. Well, he's got to be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but they stopped that with Dick Allen, right? Who should be in the should Hall be of in fame, the Hall, right? Of fame. But isn't right? They may retroactively go back to that policy once he gets in. Okay. Do you retire those guys' numbers? Yeah. Boy, that's a great question. That's a great, great question. Because they mean so, those guys mean so much to the franchise, but they're not Hall of Fame players. They're yeah. probably not going to be. Rollins might eventually get in. He might. Uh, I would vote for Utley because I think Utley was the best player at his position for a long enough period of time that he would warrant getting in. Yeah, he dominated. Um, but that's not my question. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm ducking it. <laughs> I admit. There are people who, who say you only you retire very few numbers. There's a limited amount of numbers, blah, blah, blah. If you go up to Yankee Stadium, for God's sakes, they they retired Paul O'Neill's number, didn't they? Or did they just put him? I think they might have just put him in the Ring of Honor. Yeah, because the Yankees have retired other. Ben, do me a favor. Look up retired numbers by the Yankees. Just see how many they have. Because the Yankees and and like the Celtics and basketball have a ton of retired numbers. Oh yeah, they they have to go into triple digits. I'm I'm entirely with it. I I yes, I like remembering the greats of your franchise. Okay. Every time I am at the ball yard, I'm looking at those numbers and I'm remembering, oh, thirty two, there's lefty and fourteen, there's 
Jim Bunning, and you know, and it's, it's like twenty is Schmitty, right? And, yeah, right. Yeah, Robin Roberts. That. It, that means a lot to me, and to me, um, is there these guys gonna... mean as much as friend? I, I don't want to do like the lowest common denominator thing, but to me, if Jim Bunning's number is retired, for God's sakes, those four guys do it, and we agree, it's it's all or none. Yes. Okay. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, you have to do those four. You okay. can't just do one of them. You have to right. do all those four, and which is why. The, the standard that a guy has to be a Hall of Famer can create a problem because Jimmy Rollins may very well get in. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Wait, what? Say that out loud. The Yankees have 23 retired numbers. <laughs> but it, I, I guess it's 22 because they retired eight twice. Yogi Berra and Bill Dickey? Yes, there correct. Go. Very good. Is Paul is Paul O'Neill, is that a number they retired? No. Yeah, 21. They, they retired okay. Paul O'Neill's yeah, number? I thought they did. Wow. They yeah. did it last year in August. Yeah, and Bernie Williams yeah, and Rivera and like all okay. the, I'm sure Posada, all those guys yeah. they did. Okay. It's, it's hard to imagine a, an 11 being better for the Phillies than Jimmy Rollins or a 35 right. being better. I don't than want Paul anybody Hannels. else to wear it. They're going to so they're going to call up some like utility guy, right? Mhm. You, you make a, tr- a trade. Who's the guy that they, they, they just added from the Pirates? Uh, I looked terrible yesterday. Oh gosh. Castro. Um, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, Castro. Yeah, Fidel. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Can we retire number 99 it's, for it's, so de, so Taguchi? Or was it so uh, Taguchi? Oh, Mitch. 99 is Mitch. Mitch. Um, if, if if they bring over some guy, Castro, yeah, and he wears number 11, how are you going to feel about that? It ain't great. Right. Yeah, it ain't great. You know, and I, and I get that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm finding it hard to argue with that. Like, I see number seven with the Eagles, and I think of Ron Jaworski mm-hmm. and Michael Vick. Yeah. That's who I think of. Yeah. Uh, I think of twelve. Well, they did retire twelve. Yeah, five is McNabb. Seven, 20, seven. 20. They've given out to punchers over the years. Yeah, I think John which kind of disrespectful to John, Ron Jaworski. Right? I agree. You know, the guy. The guy was the MVP one. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm bigger on retiring numbers than most people. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah. You want to retire everybody's number. You want triple digits out there for the uh, for the Phils and the Eagles. Listen, there's there's 99 numbers between one and 99. Actually, if you add zero, which, which a guy in the Eagles is going to wear this DeAndre year, DeAndre Swift. First guy in the history of the NFL. Yep. I Who love that. That's, he must he must be a big Orlando Woolrich fan. That, <laughs> I think that's really clever. Good for him. Um there's ninety nine numbers. Yeah. At most I'm retiring a dozen. We can somebody can wear number seventy five in baseball. You yeah. get away with that. No, absolutely. Right. I, I, I like that stuff. I think it's fun. All right, let's take a break. We come back, we talk a little football, or at least What's going to happen tonight? Can you call it football? Uh, we'll find out. R- if Ross Tucker is, is shaking his oh, fist at oh, us right now. Ross is all geeked up for it. Oh, yeah. Ross loves this This stuff. matters. I've done these shows with Ross. He gets mad if you, if you criticize preseason. Listen, Ross can be doing the TV broadcast. He is. And he's great at it. He's tremendous. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on 94. Well, it's Nick Sirianni saying nothing. Aren't uh, you fired up for tonight, Glenn? Come on. Well, that music gets me going. I watched I watched a little bit of the uh, I guess it was the Hall of Fame game, mm-hmm. and I will tell you, Mike Sealski, that just like turning on the TV and and hearing Collinsworth and seeing the logos mm-hmm. and like for like three minutes it's like oh yeah football yeah and it's like oh yeah well these these guys aren't players but it's just just for a moment it reminded me yeah and one guy I know shares our a palpable excitement for tonight is Jimmy Kemsky, our <laughs> friend from phillyvoice.com. How are you? I'm great. I I am very much looking forward to driving a couple hours each way to I'm watch sh- the third trigger. Yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> take I the mean- train, Jimmy. Take the train. <laughs> so so it really is the question of what can we watch for tonight? What's what's the 
What's the number one thing that we should look to see that may mean something in a month? Oh, you're not going to get that out of me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, to be determined who actually plays, maybe we get, maybe we get the starters for a series, if that. Uh, but I think the, I think, you know, regardless whether we see the starters or not, I think we will see N'Kobe Dean. Um, and we need to, uh, you know, I, I think he maybe puts the minds at ease if, you know, he had a play or two in this game. Um, ultimately, the preseason doesn't really matter. I was actually reminded of somebody this morning on Twitter. I, my apologies, I can't cite them. I don't remember who it was, but they pointed out that the Dolphins beat them like 40 something to 10. 48 to 10 last year. year, yes. Okay, 48 10. And then the Eagles go on to win their first nine games with relative ease. So it's not, you know, not a great litmus test of, of what's going to happen in, in the regular season. But I think the Kobe Dean, you know, getting, getting a look at him and then. I think uh, the fans in general are, are really eager to get a good look at Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. They're two first-round picks this year. And then you got some minor subplots, like, and I'm really digging deep here, I guess, but the punters. Oh, <laughs> man. Like... Oh, no, no. That, I, I don't want to underestimate that because yeah, true. that guy, he started out fine. And Aaron Sipoff? Yeah, and then whatever, midseason, the weather gets cold, he got awful through the – playoffs through the Super Bowl is there actually a punter a real punter competition they brought in an undrafted rookie free agent in Ty Zentner and so far I don't think either of them have really they're both good they're two different kinds of punting here so there's pin deep punting where you know you're punting from you know in the vicinity the timer on my pause tv program just timed out oh no (laughs) <laughs> Sorry about uh, that. That's okay. We wait. <laughs> They're good at pin deep punting, meaning like in, in the vicinity of like the 50 yard line. They're both, they've both been not great in open field punting, like when you're just going for hang time and distance. Um, and that's sort of been the MO for Sipas in his first two years here with the Eagles. And he's got, you know, some shanks every now and again. The, the punt that you're talking about in the Super Bowl was actually kind of a shank. Like it was yeah. supposed to go to the left side of the field. He hit it to the right side of the field, and we all know what happened thereafter. So, uh, yeah, I think there it is a competition. I think Sipos has been better so far. Uh, but I don't think that just because one beats the other means that they're done looking at punters, uh, you know, around the league. There, there are plenty of teams that have a couple punters in camp. So they'll be looking at preseason tape to see if there's a guy that's better than both of the guys they have. So, Jimmy, you've, you're at practice every day. I'm there, I would say, half the time. And the half that I've been there, I have not been impressed with Marcus Mariota. Now, I know he's learning the system. I know there are caveats all over the place to judging how a guy looks during practice and training camp. But having said that, I'm a little concerned about him if he has to step in and play significant games or a game for Jalen Hurts. Are my fears unfounded? What are your thoughts about Mariota so far? I'll make a couple more excuses for him in addition to learning the, the new system. He's playing with the second-team offensive line, mm-hmm. and the second-team offensive line is going up against either the first-team right. or the second-team yep. defensive line, which whichever one, they're all really talented. <laughs> so there's a big uh, gap in talent between the second-team offensive line and whoever they're facing on the defensive line. The center that he was working with for, like, the first six or seven practices was Brett Toth, yeah. who the Eagles have tried to kind of convert from a tackle-slash-guard into a center, give him more versatility and such. 
did not go well. He can't snap. He basically just cannot snap in shotgun. And, you know, on a, on a per- certain percentage of snaps, I don't know how many, I don't know what it would be, 30, 40%. Snap's not on target. So if you, you know, you're fielding a really low snap or a really high snap, immediately right off the bat, you're, you're, you know, your timing on the play is totally out of whack. I think that contributed to it. They actually replaced Toth with Josh Andrews, who was mm-hmm. on the team during the Chip Kelly days. Yep. He's been a better snapper. And since then, Mariota has actually been good. Okay. <laughs> like, I think Mariota over the last two or three practices or so has actually – three practices, I would say – has uh, you know been has looked a lot better than he did through the first six or seven. But I, I certainly agree with you. Like, early in camp, it was not good. And what I'll say about Mariota is, like, he's got run, he's got real running ability. If he, if he were in a foot race with Jalen Hurts, I actually think he beats him. Mm. <laughs> so, like, he's, he's got legitimate talent with his legs, as we know. Uh, he can do stuff that way. I think, he, you know, he, he knows what he's doing in terms of getting the ball out quickly on, on, on RPOs and such. It's just if you're down in the game and you're expecting him to hit a bunch of, you know, accurate throws in the intermediate to deeper parts of the field, it's probably not going to happen. But if you can stay on schedule with him, if you can keep a game close and you need him, you need him. He won like, you know, six or seven games with a really bad Falcons team last year. So we're not talking about a total scrub here. I think he's, yeah. you know, among among the top uh, backup quarterbacks in the NFL. I think they're fine with him, but certainly he has weaknesses. And if he did have really good accuracy in the, in the intermediate he wouldn't be a backup. parts of right. the field, he'd be like a top 10 quarterback. Right, exactly. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't be a backup. So, you know, he's going to have some kind of major default, and that happens to be his. We're talking to Jimmy Kemsky of Philly Voice. Follow him on Twitter at Jimmy with a Y, Kemsky, K-E-M-P-S-K-I. Um, you kind of mentioned, I think you mentioned some of these names earlier, but what I'm, I am interested, if I'm looking at anything, at looking at uh, this year's draft picks and I guess last year's early picks, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, Jordan Davis. We're going to get a good dose of them? I think you'll get a good dose of Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. And I think they're going to want to get Dean some some. Dean is a, is an interesting one because he has been he's been hurt. He's missed three and a half practices, I would say, and he was limited in another one. He he practiced in full in their last practice, so I think he's probably good to go for the for the, for the game here. I do think we'll see him. Jordan Davis, yeah, you probably see him a little bit. I think they do kind of want to treat him as a starter because they don't have in my opinion, a legit backup nose tackle. So they want to make sure that he's healthy going into the season. Uh, as far as like the other younger guys, I guess if you're looking at, um, you know, more recent draft pick, you're not gonna, I, I, I highly doubt you're going to see much of A.J. Brown, uh, Devontae Smith. You're certainly not going to see much of, of Jalen Hurts. No. But in terms of other younger guys that of note, um, Cam well, Jurgens. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm assuming a lot of Cam Jurgens, yeah. right? Yeah, because you're yeah. going to want him to get. You're going to want to get him some action at right guard in an actual game. Uh, but yeah, those, those are those are the main players. I think the, the two that I think everyone really just wants to see is Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter. And for good yep. So Nolan Smith, you did an interesting thing the other day, Jimmy, where you kind of pulled the media members who were at every practice mm-hmm. uh, to get a sense of who they thought was on the rise and who they thought, you know, had been unimpressive in training camp. And I was surprised that Nolan Smith only got two votes out of a possible 22 for guys who were had been really impressive. Uh, what What's your take on where Smith is at and how much he might be able to contribute this season? Like, have you been as, as impressed as a couple people have been with him? 
I think generally it, it can like those kind of things can run a little wild. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the people that aren't even at practice, there was a thing on this isn't Nolan Smith, but Jalen Carter. There's a thing about how he was dominating in yeah. practice and how like their game planning. None of that's happening, it's right? Not exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like there's some of that floating around, but I think Nolan Smith has has been legitimately impressive. You just look, first of all, one of the reasons that he fell on the draft is because of his size dimensions on paper. Like he's six two. He's 200, or at least at the combine, he was 6'2", 238 pounds, which isn't big for an edge player. So, you know, I think that maybe some scared some teams off or maybe knocked him down the board a little bit. But if you look at him in person, you would never, like if you had no idea of what his actual on-paper measurements were, you would not look at that guy and go, that guy's small. Like that guy is ripped up and like stout. That You would not think he's small at all. So he kind of passed the eye test right away on that. And his athleticism, it's unmissable. <laughs> like it is very clear that he is, you know, one of the best athletes on the field, even being a rookie and on a very, very, you know, stacked Eagles team that also, by the way, has like I mean, they're no stranger to drafting like elite athlete types, and he stands out even among those guys. So I'm interested to see him actually get to hit somebody. Same for Sydney Sydney Brown, by the way, who. Mm. As a safety in these practices, he, you can see him flying around the field, but then you don't get the full impact when he reaches a receiver and just two-hand touches them. Right, right. I'm interested to see him hit a guy. I'm interested to see Nolan Smith hit a guy in this game. And uh, I think, you know, that's kind of when you get a better idea of, of how physical these guys can be. But Nolan Smith, in addition to be, being the athlete that he is, He's also, you know, more, way more than willing to kind of stick his nose in the fan uh, against the run. He's, he's a very physical player, he's a very smart player, he's a very unselfish player in that, you know, he'll set the edge and he'll turn things inside and let other guys make tackles and stuff like that. He's the guy that I, I'm really interested to see with, with actual live hitting and tackling. Stick his nose in the fan. I like that. <laughs> Um, so That's Jimmy, a football guy term. Yeah, I, 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 almost, I almost felt not right saying that. No, that was good. That was good. So, uh, Jimmy – Nick Sirianni has, for the most part, since he's been here, been more open, I think, than most coaches. I mean, he's he's been a talker. This week, he he said nothing, right? And he and he was asked to me very innocuous questions, and he's like, "I'm giving you nothing. I'm giving you <laughs> yeah. nothing." Has he become like every other? Is he now Andy? Is he now just the NFL coach who's just going to stonewall you? Yeah, maybe. Uh, he he's he's kind of done that in the past too he really kind of gets into lockdown you know when you get closer to the playoffs and in the playoffs certainly but it is a, like what's the competitive advantage of not saying right what on, in the man. world right what what in the world are the baltimore ravens going to learn from him answering those questions the other day yeah I, it's, it's it's i don't know it's it's, it's a weird it's a, it's a weird thing to try to conceal uh relatively speaking to things that actually do matter in my opinion Jimmy, this is an offbeat question, but I-, I want you to kind of weigh in on it in a way. The Ravens have won 23 consecutive preseason <laughs> games. Yeah. What, like, what do you make of that? Are they actually trying to win these games? Do they see value in winning these games? Is this just a quirky thing that has happened over however many years? Like, what do you make of this? Yeah, different teams have different strategies in terms of preparing for the season obviously and you don't want to play that team week one during the regular season they have a very like they have a very impressive record mm-hmm. point differential etc 
you know, in the John Harbaugh era, week one. But they've also not looked great in the playoffs in recent years. They've been, you know, a lot of one and duns in there, particularly under Lamar Jackson. So, you know, you can kind of look at it either way. I think from the Eagles' perspective, they have these light practices. The last practice they had was 50 minutes. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they're not doing much hitting at all. And you look at it and you go, okay, well, all the guys are ready for week one. And they had every starter available in the Super Bowl, which is crazy to think that, you know, every starter available in the Super Bowl just doesn't happen. So, you know, you can't attribute that totally, obviously, to what they do in training camp, but, you know, part of the formula. So, you know, I think um, as long as they're prepared enough, then, you know, the team like the Patriots, for example, they're a lot more talented than that team. You should go up there and expect to win. Uh, but they got to do it. I think one of the concerns I would have looking at the season last year, early in the season, was that they were not a very good tackling team for like the first right. five mm-hmm. or six weeks of the season. They, they were not very good tackling. But it didn't affect their offense at all. Like their offense was on fire out of the gate. So, I don't know. We'll see how that will go this year. But I, I think they, they've kind of earned the – um, benefit of the doubt at this point in terms of you know having lighter camps and lighter preseason, like not playing starters and stuff like that. But in terms of the Ravens, I do think they're trying to win these preseason games and they, they try to be as prepared as, as possible for week one. I can't speak to the kind of practices that they have. Right. I just don't know um, how, how physical they are in those practices or whatever. I assume they are uh, you know, to kind of have their guys ready for week one. But that is a re- really kind of a remarkable streak that doesn't remarkable in that it's hard to win 23 games no matter what they are, but it's also so pointless and meaningless. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like the last time they lost it was 2015, which is it's, it's a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think like in the back of his mind, Nick Sirianni would like to end that streak. But at the same time, they, they know that like ultimately these games don't matter. I think the ride home will be okay if they don't win tonight. Yeah. And it's really just <laughs> like, can we fast forward with 29 days, right? Yes. Until the real season. Can't wait for that. And Jimmy Kemsky, we always love, Reading your stuff, follow him on phillyvoice.com. Um, have an easy drive, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you for joining us. There you go. 23 straight games in anything is kind of sort of remarkable, and yet, yeah. and yet, <laughs> it's the yeah. NFL preseason. Yeah, it's, 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 you got the longest streak of something that doesn't matter in this life. I know. I know. It's mm. like winning 23 straight coin tosses or something. I don't even know what you would compare it All right. to. All right. All right. By the way, you're certainly invited to call about the Eagles, 215-592-9494. There are no compelling issues that I see going into tonight. You talked about Mariota. It's interesting that part of what they're saying is the center. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, we'll new see. system, we'll see. Yeah. I mean. I think it, you could have worse backups. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because – Jimmy framed it as he won seven games last season with a really bad Falcons team. I view it the other way, that Arthur Smith is a pretty good coach, Mm -hmm. and they were playing in a way that was unique. And if they had gotten decent quarterback play at all, they might have been better than that. So I put more of the six, seven win season on Mariota as opposed to the things around him. So Well, he did not come off well in that uh, quarterback series. No, no. And he quit on that team last year. Like talk, I've talked to people around the Falcons. Yeah. And they say, yeah, he just he quit. Yeah, he just did. So, look, I get it from a stylistic standpoint, and Jimmy is right. Mariota is a terrific runner, and if he ever plays, like I said earlier, they're going to run the ball a lot and run the ball a lot with him. But 
in all all things being equal, I think you're going to get less from him than you even got from Gardner Minshew last year if Kurtz so, has to miss a game. So you uh, you don't have to write anything off tonight. I do not. No, okay. I'm on vacation from the Inquirer okay. until for another week. Okay. So, oh, you're not going to watch it at all, right? You're you're doing the I'll, wa- the, I'll watch some of it. All right. How you, long do you think you'll last? I'll last like 45 minutes to an hour. I think I'll, I'll last to like midpoint of the second quarter, maybe halftime. So we have my dad's birthday party tonight. Mm-hmm. Marv Mack now turns 93 today. I am delighted about it. My sister's already arrived from California. We got other people coming in, and, uh, and it's going to be great. So I am not going to well, – I'm doing the pregame with Hugh right. Douglas from 6 to 7 here, getting in my car, driving out to my dad's, yeah. and uh, we're all going to have pizza and beer and all that. Well, my dad doesn't drink much beer, but whatever. Uh, we're gonna have a have a nice time. I'm gonna I'm recording the game. Okay. I believe I will be able to watch a three hour game in. I'll put the over under twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's look. There was a time when NFL teams got ready for the regular season by using preseason games. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. They just don't. And. For the Eagles, it works. The thing is, it's a waste of everybody's time. I know Ross, I'm sorry, would disagree because, yeah. you know. Because Ross lived it. Yes. Ross was one of these guys. Right, who, there are guys fighting for jobs and effects the rest of their life. Right. That's important to Brett Toth. Yeah. It is not important to me. Yeah. <laughs> it does that's, not impact me as to where this team is going, the 45th through 53rd guy. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And especially now. With the regular season being 17 games long, yeah. you cannot ask your starters to play a lot in preseason games, if at all. I agree. All you right. just can't do it. Let's sneak in Aaron here. wants to talk some baseball. Uh, Aaron, you're a big uh, Lorenzen fan, eh? Yes, and Mike, I really appreciated your article. I wanted to kind of piggyback on it a little bit. Um, I should post a couple things on social media to you. Um, I don't think people realize how – there's a couple things I like to point out. A little bit of his history, but first on how good, uh, him personally, how good he is as a pitcher, if I may. Uh, um, give us he, a little bit of what you're thinking of here. Okay. He is, you realize he has fourth in, in Major League Baseball in whip and 11th in ERA right behind Otani? That's pretty good. That's that's it, that's very good, yeah. But that's, I don't think people realize that. But if you look at his starts, he has a number of starts where he's given up zero run runs. He has, like, um, you know, his only criticism before he got here was that he wasn't going longer than, like, six innings um, in start. I mean, like, um, you know, but now he's reunited with his, I think he's the Cincinnati pitching coach who has helped change his grip. I mean, Caleb Cotham helped him with the changeup. So, listen, I, I generally agree with you in that when they got him, I liked him. I watched him pitch for Detroit. I watched him when he was at Cincinnati, and I think he's good. I, I, yeah. I, think, I think he didn't get a lot of attention because of where he pitched, right? The Tigers That's are going right. nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. Right, so Absolutely. nobody's watching him pitch. And I'd like to add too, like to your, the personal point where you did the thing on her on his mom and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you went. I don't know how much you know going back to like, growing up and how his father, who had passed away, God rest his soul, met his mother and how. Um, I don't want to get too into it, but you know, there's a lot of alcohol and drug problems in the household yes. he grew up in. Yes, there were. And you know, the, the police coming out every week and how he was, you know. It's it's a remarkable you know, story of somebody just getting to the major leagues through that. And Aaron, thank you um, for mentioning the article and for and for that background. Yeah, it's a remarkable story. And the one thing that Michael's mother Cheryl told me was that 
Michael has always wanted to be a starter, Glenn. He's always felt like he's been kind of held back in, in the sense that he is also a really good hitter. So when he came into the major leagues, teams saw him as, you know, kind of like a diet Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. Like he can pitch an inning or two, and we could pinch it yeah. and play him in the outfield if we need to. But what he's really wanted to do is be a starter. Now, having said all of that, does that mean that he's starting game two of the divisional series or making the start in the wild card round for the Phillies? I don't know about that just yet. But if the Phillies can unlock something in him, maybe he is a, a guy who can give you five, six, seven innings a start, and who knows? I mean, he's been terrific, as you said, Glenn, in these two starts so far, eight innings and nine innings, and you know, two runs and eight innings against the Marlins and a no-hitter against the Nationals. So, so yeah. let's see. So what are they, how, how many games they have left in this season? 38, 40, something like yeah, that? Yeah. Uh, They're like 63 and 52? They're 65 and 52. 65. Wow. Well, yeah. There you go. So that's 117 that leaves uh, 35, 45 games. 45 games. 45 games to play. So with 45 games to play, he's going to get whatever, eight, nine starts. Yeah. So he gets eight starts to show he should be he, in the postseason rotation. That's right. And and we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Who's going to be pitching well? Who's right. not going to be pitching well? might be hurt, well. knock on wood. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, look, smart move by Dave Dombrowski. We talked about it on previous shows. I was always of the mindset that the Phillies should prioritize adding <clears throat> pitching, preferably to the bullpen, ahead of a right-handed bat. Guess what, Glenn? They added a right-handed bat, and it's Trey Turner. Yeah. That ain't bad. Yeah. Good. Very good. 215-592-9494, Uh We'll throw out a couple more topics, but, you know, I'd like to hear from you on all the things we've been discussing. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. He just grinned and shook my hand. No was all he said. Nice touch, Ben Kenny. Yeah, well, that's the band. Um, one of the great groups in the history of rock. Somebody, I, a band that I grew up with, man. I love the band so much. And um, the, the lead guy there, not not singing, that's actually Lee Von Helm, but the, the inspiration, the number one guy is Robbie Robertson. Robbie Robertson passed away this last week. Uh, just just one of those great names. All those all those guys I grew up with are mm-hmm. now, you know, who are older than I, but it's was my literally record collection as a kid mm-hmm. are now going I probably had their first album on let me do this vinyl I might have had it on a track I did have an wow. a track player for a songs while. from big pink yeah songs from big pink yeah uh CD mm-hmm. no I'm sorry cassette oh gosh and then CD and then just download that song makes me think of two things and I think a lot of uh music fans from the generation after yours probably come up with these two thoughts too. Number one, it makes me think of the movie The Big Chill, because that yeah. song is used in The Big. Oh Chill. god, I love that movie. And oh, it's a terrible movie. What? What? Such whiny baby boomers. Um, why? Why are we not changing the world in the way we thought we were going to change the world? Uh, Touche. And then uh, the last waltz, where Martin Scorsese does yeah. the documentary about the band and really makes Robbie Robertson. A star. I mean, he's he's the guy who stands out in yeah, the documentary. Shows him, yep, shows him. Too. Um, can I can I share with you something, Glenn? Please. So, I am in a band myself, kind of, 
uh, there are three guys, three friends of mine in the neighborhood, and I get together once every couple of weeks, and my next-door neighbor plays drums, and the guy down the street plays guitar, and another guy down the street plays piano and keyboards, and I try to sing, and mm -hmm. we do the wait. And we're not bad. Yeah? We're not bad. I'm not doing, I'm not going to sing it on this show. No, I wouldn't ask you to do it. But, it's, uh, it's very difficult to just sing um, unprompted. Yes, very much so. But uh, yeah, so that's that's one of the songs that we do is uh, is The Wait. It's one of the all-time great rock songs ever written. I think. So have you sung, you know, before, did you sing in the chorus growing up? No, no, not at all. Uh, I just, just giving it a go, are you? Giving it a shot. And I'm actually going to, I'm contemplating taking voice lessons. I Well, I am taking voice lessons. Are you really? Uh, yes. So, I mean, I've sung on a stage before. Yeah. I've been in plays. I've been in musicals. I've sung, but generally with a group of people, and the one or two songs I've had to sing by myself were not that challenging. And I am I want to audition for a play uh, later this month. Okay. I, I'm not going to say much because, you know, if I get the part, I'll talk about right. it. But I don't want right. to talk about it until, but I'm going to audition. And it has... A song that I would have to stand on the stage by myself and sing this song, and mm -hmm. it's it's a little challenging for my two octave range. Right. And so I've actually I've done this before. I'm taking singing lessons. A guy named Lou Lanza, okay. who's a pro out in media, mm -hmm. is giving me some singing lessons. All good things coming out of media this week. Oh yeah, and well we'll get to the other. We'll one get to too. the other one. And yeah. it's 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 an interesting thing. And the one thing I've learned more than anything is. Let yourself go. Right. Don't, don't be. The biggest problem that I can't speak to other people, but me, I have is if I try to sing but not use my full voice because I'm afraid mm -hmm. of sounding bad, that's when I sound bad. That, if you just let it loose and open up your throat, you're better. Yeah. No, I've encountered exactly the same thing playing with my friends, and they can actually play, and so I don't want to belt something out and Drown do them it. out. No, you, you got to do it. You got to do it. Got to do it. Well, if you want to take singing lessons, you want to come out to media, I'll call Lou for you. I will. I will it's a bit try of a drive for you. I was going to say, I'll try to find somebody closer to Doylestown where All right. I live. So, huh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a radio show. We, we help. Yeah. Hey, if anybody teaches voice who lives out in Mike's way, out near yeah. Doylestown, Mike's easy to find on social media. Please reach out. Okay. Reach out. Actually, go. I know somebody who does, and I may be reaching out to that. All person right. A couple things, a couple stories I wanted to get to today. Sure. Uh, you had a little flyers thing that you were interested I, in. I did. And my colleague at the Inquirer, Gus Elvin, who writes about the flyers from time to time, did a piece about By the this. way, Gus knows hockey. He does know hockey. Uh, and he had a, an interesting piece about the fact that Matt Vay Mitchkoff, the guy who the flyers took in the first round this year, the seventh overall pick, the, the player, the scorer who's gotten Flyers fans really excited has become kind of a point of, I guess you'd say, excitement on social media. People are posting goals that he's scoring in three-on-three -three tournaments in Russia and in— Oh, I've been watching. Yeah, KHL preseason games. And I'm not sure how I feel about this, Glenn. I, I really—I feel like it's—this sort of thing is raising expectations for this kid— to the point where if he's not the greatest goal scorer in the history of goal scoring, people are going to be disappointed. He's the savior. Yeah, but he, he is, Well, no, but I'm, I mean, I'm agreeing with you to the, the extent that he's being viewed as the savior. Yeah, but it does show, too, how hungry Flyers fans are for a star, for their team being part of the discussion again. Yeah, they want to be relevant. They yeah. want to have something to cheer about. I understand what you're saying, and it's 
it's like you're cheering a guy who is best is going to be here in a couple of years. Right. But the flip side is, what do you want him to get excited? What else can they get excited about, right? So they got excited when Keith Jones got hired and when Danny Briere got hired because mm-hmm. it's a change in administration. Yep. And that tends to bring optimism, new faces, new approach. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think people kind of like the coach, but that's there's nothing newsworthy with that. Not yet. Okay. There will be. <laughs> there always oh, is yeah. with John there, Tortorella. Okay. Are there, are there three players on the current roster that we should be talking about? No, there are not. There aren't. There really aren't. And I get it. Look, something similar happened last year with, and this continued to happen with Cutter Gauthier, who they took the year before. And I understand it. They're building for the future, and fans want something to get excited about. I just – I do feel like it is going to warp expectations to have videos of – you know, Matvey Mitchkov scoring on, like, beer league caliber goaltending. I don't know. It's Russia. They know how to play over uh, there. Okay. Not- hey, I hear you, but, again, it's it just is a way for Flyer fans to feel connected to something when there's really not a whole lot here for them to cheer. So Fair enough. In that respect, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. So here, here's the other thing. We've known for a while uh, Phil Mickelson was like a heavy gambler. He's he's talked about it. He said he had an addiction. Yes. Struggled to come to terms with it in some and we, we didn't really know how much did that involve, but we knew it was a lot. It's staggering, Mike Sealski. There's a new book out. Uh, the guy, Billy Walters, professional gambler, who was a friend, more than a friend, with Mickelson, yeah. kept receipts. And shows receipts. You never, you never hang out with the gambler who keeps receipts. Yeah, and says that Mickelson bl- placed more than. Hold on, I gotta put my pinky in my in my mouth. One billion dollars <laughs> worth of sports bets over the last thirty years. Glenn, do you know how many sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads you could so, buy for one billion dollars? So the most distressing of this. Uh, look, I mean, listen, Mickels can do what he wants, and I don't pass judgment on people who bet, but if you bet a billion dollars, you got an issue. But most distressing, Walters alleges that Mickelson tried to get him to place a $400,000 bet on the United States to win the Ryder Cup. When Mickelson was on the team, we all know through the P. Rose experience, you don't do that. You no. do not do that. Walter says he refused to make the bet. Uh, by the way, the U.S. did not win, so. Right. We don't know whether Mickelson placed the bet somewhere else. Listen to this. According to Walters, Mickelson placed 7,065 bets on football, basketball, and baseball from 2010 to 2012. So that's three years. It's roughly 1,000 days. It's seven bets a day, average, on a day. My man is addicted. He's got a problem. He's got a problem. Yeah. And look, I mean, we talked about it last week with respect to the NFL's gambling issues. Uh, these are highly competitive people. I had always, I had always been of the mindset, uh, naively, I guess, that the more money that somebody made, the less they'd be incentivized to gamble like this. Because the framing is, if you think about the Black Sox scandal, those guys apparently did it because they felt like they weren't being paid enough. But it's not. It's just for the ride. It's just for the rush and the competition. And this does not reflect well on Phil Mickelson. Not much has reflected what, well on Phil Nicholson recently. No, I mean his his image just takes a beating yeah, after beating after beating. Yeah, between this and live golf. And, yeah, and all of that. <laughs> so you hear what Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy said? Yes, I did. I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, we got Rory we got on audio. Oh, Ben, let's hear it. Um, I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it. So, cha-ching. 
Wow. Rory from the top rope. Right. Live, of course, not. Those golfers not allowed on it. And so there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, that, it's, that just, was it. It's, it, it's crazy because, I, look, golf is a, is a rich person sport, generally speaking. But the idea that he, that he had wagered more than $1 billion just speaks to how <laughs> well The amount of time you have to put into that. Yeah. If you're placing, what do we say, an average of seven bets a day, yes. right? Yeah. The amount of work, that's like more than I put into the Immaculate Grid and Wordle every oh, day. Oh, wow. Well, I spend, is a lot. I spend seven minutes on Wordle each day. You that's, do your Wordle today? I did. I did. I got it in uh, three or four. Well, no, um, that's a big difference. All right, well, let me, I mean, uh, now three, I have to check. See, when you do Wordle, three is a win, four is a tie to me. Okay. I Just to me, getting it is a win. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm disappointed if it takes six, but if I get it, I'm happy. Okay. That's kind of how I So I we the other day. So four. I, so I, I tied. Yeah, that's what four. I did. Yeah. So, uh, and I'll, I'll finish with, with this nonsense. So I told you we have a family Wordle league. Yes. Which I am now been assigned to pick the new word every day. There's seven of us in there, cousins mm-hmm. and in-laws and stuff. And uh, every day we start with a different starting word, so it's not, you know, a do right. every day, right? Yep. And so I pick a different word every day. And the other day, for whatever reason, I said, like, yeah, uh, let's do a body organ. Liver. Okay. The word was lover. Oh, my gosh. So close. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I've never done that. I've never gotten it in one I got shot. it in one once. Did you really? Yeah, I don't even remember what the word was, but uh, it was like a, I, I thought something was wrong. It starts flipping green, and mm-hmm. it's like, whoa. Wow. Anyway. I, I've been starting the last several weeks with tears. That's been my starting That's my, my day often begins that way. Oh, you're talking about Wordle still. <laughs> Two well, on only five. on Sunday mornings after I've been <laughs> hanging out with friends. 215. <laughs> the many, night before. How many beers did I drink? Oh, God. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack. Now we're on uh, one more segment, uh, Go Birds Radio with James and Elliot after us. Is that correct? Yes, you that have is that correct. to look forward to. All right, and then I'll be back for the preseason at 6. Woohoo! You and Hugh are going to be doing yeoman's work for an hour pregame show. It's going to be fast. I ahead of this you. game. Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. Hey, if the summer heat hasn't convinced you yet to replace your old windows and doors, maybe the great people at Guided Door and Window can help by giving you an extra month to do so at the best prices of the year. Take advantage of Guida's big summer sale and receive 40% off every window and door you buy. Yeah, 40% off each window. That is correct. 40% of all expertly installed, high-performance, triple-pane windows, and 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can easily buy now and pay later with Guida's low monthly payment plans or interest-free financing up to 12 full months. Now, don't wait until fall like everybody else to replace your windows and doors. You need to go Guida right now so you can take advantage of these huge savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires at the end of August, so call Guida today to schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Uh... What did, what did we have on our uh, outline? We didn't talk about Aaron Nola. And yeah, uh, yeah. We didn't we didn't really get to that. Just in terms of the contract and his future and so on. And I am of the mind that as much as fans in this town are turning on Aaron Nola, and he's really not had a good year by any stretch. Sounded like Larry Anderson was turning on Aaron Nola just a little bit. Hey, Larry's honest yeah. always about yeah. how he feels. 
I kind of think that. So I read a thing. Uh, Jim Bowden, who is the former general manager of the Reds, now a TV guy uh, and a print guy, did a piece this week on the the top free agents of the off season. I think he had like you know top eighty, mm-hmm. and Otani clearly number one. I don't know. He's not that good. Nola number two. <laughs> you know why? He's a starting pitcher. Yeah. Who gives you thirty to thirty five starts every single year. At his best, he's a Cy Young contender. At his worst, he's giving you 30, 35 starts and mm-hmm. keeping you in games every yep. year. I agree. And there's a decent chance that the Phillies are going to have to, not have to, choose to re-sign him in the offseason. Because what's the better option that you're going to have? Unless Michael Lorenzen becomes something that he hasn't been throughout his major league career or Andrew Painter comes back from his injury, and we saw what happened this season when they counted on Andrew Painter not getting injured. Um, I think it's possible Aaron Noah will be back in a Phillies uniform next season. I think it's very possible. I, it will also be interesting to see how the Lorenzen thing plays out because he's a free agent. He's a short-term yeah. rental. Yep. They're good at keeping guys they want to keep. Well, yeah, and I think Lorenzen already, like a lot of players around Major League Baseball uh, who are coming in contact with the Phillies, he likes Philadelphia. Yeah. His his mother told me that over the phone. She's like, this is the greatest city. Nothing against Great Detroit yep. and Cincinnati and all the other places Michael has played, but there's something different here. And not to pat our listeners on the back, but I do think that run that the Phillies made last year, Glenn, during the, during the playoffs, exposed the entire country and all of Major League Baseball to what this city is like when the Phillies are good. There is something in the atmosphere at that ballpark that helps that team, that is a detriment to the teams who come in there when the games that matter, more so even than the Eagles at the Link or the Sixers at the Wells Fargo Center. I think Citizens Bank Park can be and is a home field advantage for the Phillies, and I think the fans make it so. And I think people are picking up on that. Yeah, I do too. It's uh, it's good times, and they continue with tonight. We know what's the the pitching matchup tonight against uh, Minnesota. Oh, that's a good. Question. Sorry, I should have looked it up rather than asking you guys on short term. It is yeah. Taiwan Walker yeah. against Pablo Lopez. Okay, Taiwan. That's thirteen and four. Taiwan. I, unbelievable. Yeah, he's pitched into some luck, but he's also done very well. All right, that voice you hear is the great Ben Kenny, who's done a fine job producing for us. Terrific. Uh, really enjoying Ben, but Ben, I'm sure there's something we forgot to talk about. Well, yeah, it's the story, at, at least uh, around these parts, take away the Phillies right now. Uh, Media Little League yeah. walks it off yesterday to be the first Philly area team to make it to Williamsport since my Taney Dragons. You played on the Taney Dragons? Well, not on that team. I'm older than them, but yeah. Oh, wow. You went to Taney? Yeah. Ah, how about that? That's great. Yeah, that team, boy, they they were they were terrific. They were they absolutely were great. Yeah. Um, and did you see how they how media won the game yesterday? They did not have a hit until the bottom of the seventh, and a kid hit a walk off two run home. It was a walk off home run. It was great. It and, was it was really great. And, and there were a bunch of what 12, 13 year old kids there, all with them, all of them cheering, all of them with their shirts off. There's a photograph going around social media where the kids wrote Delco. And then John <laughs> on their back. And I, all I will say is Williamsport, Pennsylvania is not ready for Delco. <laughs> they are just not. Yeah, congrats to them and and uh, and, every, and all of Delco, everybody involved. All right, what else we got? Well, and the Phillies play there next Sunday night against the Nationals. Oh, they're doing the Williamsport thing? They are on okay. Sunday Night Baseball. All right, uh, that'll be fun, I guess. Yeah. Wait, how big is that ballpark? Uh, big enough. They, they don't play in the Little League park. <laughs> 
it's big enough to host. It's not a two hundred and ten foot home run. <laughs> and you know what? I still, I swear to God, I still my my last year literally when I was twelve, I managed to hit four home runs that like cleared the fence. Did you really? It's still like a, a highlight of my life. It's still the thrill of hitting a home run that actually goes over a fence. Was like I, I'll never. I didn't do it against that level of competition. Mm-hmm. Well, it was literally, but not no. as good as those guys. Uh, to me, the two best feelings you can have when you're playing sports, whether you're talking about being a kid, or whether you're talking about being a, a grown man or even a pro- woman or a professional athlete, is a hitting a home run, yeah. like that feel of the ball against oh, the bat, unbelievable, and swishing a jump shot. When you let a ball go and you know it's going in, yeah, th- there's oh, that's that's just ecstasy. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, well, I didn't, I'm not very good at basketball. All right, what else we got? Uh, big week for the people, the five-for-fivers out there. Yeah. Uh, because Lionel Messi and the Miami team, which I don't know the name of, is uh, going to be visiting Chester on Tuesday to face the Union, I believe, in the finals of yeah. the MLS Cup. Yeah, Inter-Miami CF is coming to Chester Tuesday night. Lionel Messi has eight goals in five games for Miami. This is like Wayne Gretzky in 1984 with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't go too far to say that Chester will be the center of the sports world Tuesday night because that's how big Messi is. And in the MLS, that's how big this match is going to be. Uh, all right. And so, that is my extent of my soccer knowledge. Well, okay. I'm exhausted. I can't. I'm exhausted so, at all. And, and I don't want to put a damper on it because it is very exciting for that league, for soccer fans, and, and that he's coming in. Very exciting for this area. But he's like a Premier League guy. Yes. One of the, the best player in the world. Playing in this league, is this like mm-hmm. him playing in AAA? A little bit. Like he's just going to dominate because, yeah. you know. Yeah, a little bit like okay. that. All right. All right, we got one more. Um, do you guys remember John Singleton? Former Philly farmhand. He was drafted. in the Ken Giles trade, right, I think? He Ooh, was in the yeah. Hunter Pence trade. Oh, okay. okay. In right. 2011. Uh, he bounced around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Went to Houston first baseman, I he, think. Yeah. So he was in the majors a decade ago. Finally made it back. He's been playing in the minors all this time. Wow. Made it back last night. Hit two home runs for the Astros. Wait, that's the same guy. I saw a guy, Singleton, playing yeah. for the Astros same in place guy. of Abreu, who's on my fantasy team, who hit two home runs. Wow. Good for him. Traded for Hunter Pence. All right. I got wow. Well, Let's eat. Yeah. I got Good job, John. Let's eat. Nice job. All right. Go Birds Radio coming up next with James and Elliot. Mike Sealski. Enjoy your uh, night with your family. I'll be back at 6 for a little pregame with Hugh Douglas, and don't you go anywhere other than 94 WIP. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.